Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. We did it, guys. <clears throat> 2024. We made it. It's in the bag. Oh, no, wait. No, it's, uh, we're there. Uh, we just 2023 is in the bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We made it, though. Some people said we wouldn't make it. Lots. Actually, I heard lots of people saying that on the street, saying we weren't going to make I it mean, in 2024. They said we couldn't do time. eight years. <laughs> we can. We can get to 10 if we really try. Let's go to uh, was it couldn't that they said, or was it shouldn't? I don't. From far away, it's hard to tell. I don't get too close to the people on the streets. Uh, I did holiday travels, so we missed however much time we missed. I don't remember if we missed one week or two weeks or what. But I, th- I think we only missed one week. Okay, so that's not too bad. Uh, I was back in the California, and I saw some people, and some people I didn't see, and I'm just gonna have to deal with it. Some people were unavailable. And I, uh, you know, I had a baby with me and stuff. It's hard. It's hard fucking work. And, um, but yeah, now I'm back so we can fucking keep doing this. You know, a thing that I only realized, I did, I did see you and your, uh, delightful baby. Hmm. A thing that I only realized a couple of days later when I was driving in my car is that that song that your kid was humming mm. uh is from the fucking peanuts sad ass christmas yeah, yeah yeah yes how how he know that song you show him peanuts <laughs> no we haven't really shown him peanuts yet but i think some peanuts songs were on my uh on my christmas playlist and oh. um also as as it was in our house so it is again uh i change all the lyrics to random songs as i think of them to things that are happening in front of me and Got many it. times yeah, I yeah, sing yeah. something like "Breakfast Time" is here as I'm putting him into breakfast. Seat. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> and That's good. I don't listen. I don't have children, and I am not qualified to give advice. Mm. But I do feel like if you show a kid peanuts, yeah, you might be sending the message that it's okay to be Charlie Brown. No, never. I would. I the whole time I pointed him and I go, "Don't you ever do that? Look at this blockhead. Look at this fucking failure face, Charlie Brown. He couldn't even it's, spell beagle." Look, as with uh, getting a tattoo, I don't care about it, but it's not good behavior. (laughs) That is what I I heard a certain famous actor say that. Uh, After he said some stuff about how he'd seen every every person's penis. That's right. In the world. In the world. Yes, too. To see if they got any tattoos. Got a tattoo, no gift that year. Not that year. Not that year. <laughs> yeah, we may have been independently viewing some uh I think you should leave skits today. They made it they made it I easy. Mean, They're like up on YouTube. You can just get them one one little bite at a time. 
I'm, I'm either viewing them or thinking about them. So, you know, it's one or the other. Yeah. It's a good fucking show. I'm not even, I'm not trying to make a joke. And I'm not trying to make anyone have <laughs> to the give, worst have, day. Everybody have the worst their day job. of their job. I just want to know if any of these fuckers, fuckers <laughs> fucking wall, blast out cum shots, donkey dicks. <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, I um I may have stumbled across the uh spectrum is getting rid of corn cob TV <laughs> and it's golf and flop. It is cold cold blue butt cheeks. Uh yeah, the thing that got me today was uh when he says it's okay to show him nude because they got no soul. He says it's okay to show him nude because they got no soul. He pronounces M Eem. He's an animal. And he It's it's he, just like there was monsters on the world. For fifty <laughs> seconds he thought there was monsters on the world. I like it when he fucks up English. It's very good. That's a good show. That's uh, that's probably been a podcast recommendation before, but please check out all three seasons. I think seasons you should leave. Yeah, yeah, should yeah, leave. yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> They're very I guess, short. I'm ready. It's time to rewatch season three. I think for me. Yeah, there's some fucking good stuff but, uh, in there. I I just always start at the beginning. I just always watch. Well, I, okay, I don't start at the beginning because Netflix <sighs> Netflix got them out of order. Huh? So. The order that it'll try to play them to you on Netflix is one to six from season two, then okay. one to six from season one in that order. That's There's dumb. no way to start in a way where it will just play season one from top to bottom and then season two. And I don't know why. That's weird. And it's listen. There's not that much continuity between them. There's no need to watch them in any particular order. No, there is sometimes me. recurring stuff within seasons, but not from season to season. You might get crash more and then get the AOL blast interview later in the season. That's not doesn't that's not in the same episode. Oh, is that even the same episode? Fuck, I think it maybe it is immediately <laughs> after the end of the trailer. Okay. Well, uh what about when um it's the same with the hot dog guy? Guy who chokes on the hot dog is that also in the same episode? No, that back? is a different. That's later in the season when okay. he appears on TV with his hot dog vacuum invention. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <clears throat> I I don't think you're allowed to just change when lunch is. <laughs> you can't just move lunch. You know what else you're not allowed to do? I think you're legally not allowed to ask how much That's that fedora the, costs. It's, it's illegal to ask how much of the fedora with safari flaps cost. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this could just be a podcast about I think you should leave. That'd be something. Um, I mean, we would have been done. Well, let's see if we did one podcast per episode we'd be up to episode 18 instead of this week episode 281 281 of the pod 141 of this project yeah you know the project it's the star treks there's three of them left two of them retired i don't blame them <laughs> that's right <laughs> they looked around and said this we're too old for this shit we're not doing this anymore so we still got tng ds9 and voyager left and there you know Fucking jacking each other off all the way to the finish. Fuck these guys. Uh, but we got mailbag oh, first. Oh, I yeah, will just yeah, say yeah. one more note about the the toddler. I for the first time ever today, I felt like a good dad because he insisted on shooting hoops while listening to Beethoven. And yeah, that's said, pretty good. He's crushing it. This kid is finally 
crushing it, and I don't want to hear anyone say anything about him because he's rocking fucking ass. Right Kid's now. like a, a Greek philosopher, healthy mind and a healthy body. That's right. <laughs> he's like, no, I want to shoot hoops because uh, I finally put his hoop up high, so he can't dunk anymore. So he's got to work on that J, and he keeps like stepping back and getting further and further back as he's taking these shots. And then he's like, play me, um, play me uh, the violin concerto, Papa. And I'm like, hell yes, let's fucking do it. So hmm. it's good stuff. Oh, he's uh, he's developed a little bit of a little Lord Fauntleroy accident <laughs> uh, accent, I should say, <laughs> since a couple of weeks ago when I saw him. When all, his main thing was to chant Papa, Papa. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, what he really said is a mystery, but that's what I got out of it. That's what you got. He just says it. whatever, yeah. and I go, "Oh, more Beethoven? Okay." And then I play. Okay, <laughs> whatever you want. All right, we can do mailbag. It's fine. First one of the year, everybody. Mailbag by brother date. Okay, we're jumping all the way back in time to the twenty-first of December, a whole different year, Matthew. I know. Um, when Ryan wrote, and yet it turned out you did in fact pot again in two weeks. Yeah, we um we did sneak one more in before the end of the year. Fucking I mean, if you're it. listening to this one, hopefully you know that. It's because I can't let it drag out. I just can't. I can't yeah. imagine this going to 2026. It would make me so sick. To think I know about. that it looms before you. Yeah. Even though, honestly, we're closing out season six of Voyager. Good. Just one to go pretty soon. Fucking Voyager, man. Hey, yo, Voyager that... was first this week for watching the episodes. And fucking spoiler yeah. alert, it's going to be first next week. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> it was um, it was pretty wild. <laughs> we'll, we'll We're going to talk about it for probably 40 minutes, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Voyager's going to go out on, uh, I think, week 144. I think Unimatrix Zero Part 1 must be the end of the season. Yeah, that sounds right. So we're clo- We're really closing in on season six and, and then, you know, home stretch at that point. When's my boy one going to come back? That Nazi Borg. Uh, does that dude come back? I thought he gave his life. No, no. I, yeah, I mean, he definitely did. I'm just saying I would really like him oh, to you, come back. Cause you he want was, it. He was great. <laughs> He was so proud. It was weird. He I don't had, like, know. weird race pride. I don't know when he'll come back, but I will say this about Voyager. From looking at this list, it appears one of the last, I don't know, six episodes is called Q2. No! They're still going to get Q in the fucking mix? I thought we were done with him when they, when they, like Kirk, told him that he would get used to fucking the Lady Q. Yes. I thought that was it. I thought we were done with them. Ugh. That hurts. Uh, I will say, uh, <clears throat> I was very happy there was no Q in Discovery. There hasn't been any Q so far in Strange New Worlds, but Q's a big part of Picard, and it made me even more upset about how bad Picard was. Because I thought we were done with that shit. On the, I, so I still haven't seen any of Picard. Yeah, so so on the pretty sad aging scale mm. that has... You know, who's probably still looking pretty good in that show? Is Jordy in it? He probably still looks okay. Yeah, definitely Jordy looked the best, for sure. Jordy still looks pretty good, yeah. but then although at the other end, you got uh, feeble Picard and bloated Data. I mean, Data might have looked the worst because they put him in all that makeup, and then you just you yeah. just look at him and go, what the fuck's happening? Uh, uh, Delancey didn't look too on, bad. 
on that scale, Delancey's holding up okay, isn't he? Delancey was doing okay. He was closer to Jordy than he was to... Uh, I'd say he was... He might have been second after Jordy. Uh, Crusher looks almost like a different, different person. Like a different human being. Yeah, I've seen... I saw her face when she... I saw a picture of her when she came in to record a bunch of voiceover for STO last year or something. I, is that? I, like, I think that's, that's just her? aging, right? Yeah, I think that's I it. I think it's just aging. And... Um, <clears throat> Troy looks she doesn't rough. look bad, and she doesn't look like she's had a bunch of crazy surgeries or anything. No. She just, you know. She just, yeah, she looks totally different. Uh, Troy looks pretty rough. Riker looks like our old dad now, like even yep. as old as he looked. Um, yeah, if you ever uh, if you ever get into timelines again and join my allegiance, you'll see that I usually run an old Riker portrait <laughs> as my avatar. Just saying RIP the whole time to the old man. Uh, I'm there's right now stuff, using. Uh, there's uh, some stuff this week about dads, so we'll probably talk about him. I'm using jazz musician Riker as my. Oh, jazz Riker. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. But anyway, Delancey didn't look too bad. It's just I didn't ever need to see Q again, and I was very upset that it happened. So he's a baffling character. Yeah. Uh. All right. On the 22nd, Ryan wrote, listening to Sea Shanties to get jacked for Sea of Thieves tonight. We did end up playing Sea of Thieves. Yeah, hell yeah, man. We did it. And, we were not and we've done good it at since? the puzzles. We've done it twice, right? Uh, Wasn't that last yeah, one just we did last it. week? Yes. Hell yeah, yes. man. Twice with Ryan. Yeah, because we took two bites at beating that second Monkey Island tall tale. Nobody's fault that was. <clears throat> it was the server's. The servers hate me. <laughs> Usually, if any change happens at all in the world, you are booted. It boots you and leaves me and Ryan. Though Ryan got himself stuck in got himself stuck in some rocks and then couldn't get back in either. Yeah, you uh, you responded to that. Told him he should be listening to the Monkey Island soundtrack. On the twenty third, he asks. Now that we're on the subject of Mustangs and commissions, or at least I'm on the subject since I'm listening to your previous mailbag, mm. have we seen any warrant officers ever? I don't know. I can't keep track of... I guess there haven't been that many um, yeah. enlisted officers or whatever, but... Well, so he's asking about that because a warrant officer is a third kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They're... They're they're not enlisted officers. They're not enlisted uh, personnel in the way that, you know, Chief Petty Officer Miles O'Brien is. They're not commissioned officers. They're often civilians. Oh, uh, usually have a, some kind of technical specialty that hold their rank by a, a warrant. Okay, but that generally have the authority of a of a low ranking officer. Usually, uh, the answer to this question is that in all of the background material, a chief warrant officer is supposed to be what the single black pip rank means. <clears throat> okay. That you see... The instant GG I think most often on else. Chief O'Brien. Okay. Before they had the episode Family and someone so said was he was a chief petty like officer and then man. that was yeah. locked in. Yeah. Right, Worf's dad was also a petty officer or whatever. But, you know, the various drunk replacement chiefs... Yeah. Uh, who will not pass a drug test if they get randomly drug tested. Uh, they often wear that single hollow pip, too. So okay. they may be warrant officers, but that's never stated on screen. However, the Memory Alpha tells me that in Prodigy, some people hold the rank of chief warrant officer. The cartoon, huh? 
Yeah. Yep, okay. yep, yep. Uh, and some people have speculated that Kaczynski's weird rank that's never repeated again was supposed to be that because that kind of makes sense sure. based on his position. Yeah. Like he's not military, but he's there to do something to their warp drive. And be a dick about it. Yeah. And do exactly what Riker asks him to do until Riker gets annoyed by it. Yes. Explain it to me. Oh, God, I hate this. Okay. So maybe one. Maybe some of these transporter guys. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, He writes, also by 10 kilotons. Do they literally mean 10,000 tons? Because that weighs more than a lot of small ships. Yeah, it's a fucking huge amount of dilithium for sure. Yeah. Again, as we uh, mentioned, way more than that backpack they filled with deuterium. Way more. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely more. I'm trying to see... I should not have looked this up on uh, on Memory Alpha, because it's not the place for it. But I was trying to see if we know what Voyager weighs. Oh. Boy, yeah. They don't talk about weight a lot. It says it has a mass of 700,000 metric tons. Okay. And a metric ton is 10% larger than a regular ton. We don't know which kilotons, what they're talking about with kilotons, probably is metric tons anyway. So, yeah, that would be, what, 170th the weight of Voyager, if that's true. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot just of dilithium. Um... Well, the only other question is how many megatons? Uh, well, that's the only choice we're given, I think you'll find. Oh, is that what he says? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I I have that guy in timelines. This is of all the fathers and put us the sons. The only choice we're given is how many, how many megatons? megatons? I have him in timelines, and I'm very happy about it. <laughs> One second into that, I knew it was going to kill my voice entirely. <laughs> uh, Marjan was watching a documentary about death. The uh, the proto punk band from the seventies that was like three black brothers from Detroit. Anyway, she was watching a documentary about them, and a lot of the songs reminded me of that song. And I kept saying, "This reminds <laughs> me of uh, that song from uh, from Star Trek Four, just to piss her off about about what she was watching." And then I kept showing her my punk from timelines. <laughs> I guess she shouldn't watch anything with me. <laughs> Now that Uh, I think about it. That guy is common in a way that his uh, two-star rarity does not suggest. I get him all the time. Yeah. (laughs) I just like showing her my guys. I always say, you want to see some more of my guys? And then (laughs) then she say, no. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't want to see him at all. And I'm like, yeah, but look, it's it's, uh, fucking Nepenthe Riker. Do you see him? He's all old. He's got a pizza. Look at that. He's doing pizzas. And look at this. You see this one over here? This is my Augment Riker. That never happened. Yeah, that's, that's just a for up. us. <laughs> just for the fans. Look, here's Mirror Universe Jordy. That, guy got, that guy's from a comic or something. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh, look, it's... Uh, look, they made him ripped. <laughs> and his visor's different. I've got sous chef Cisco. Look. I think he's peeling a potato or something. That's great. That's good stuff. This is important. This character was important. And I need to have him in my my group of guys. Look, I've got the whales. I've got George <laughs> and George Gracie. George and Gracie. 
I was actually kind of annoyed that they're on one card. I want a George and a Gracie. It's it's rude that they're on one card. It's rude that the name of the card is George and Gracie, but it is alphabetized under W. As Wales. <laughs> As Wales. <laughs> yep. I noticed that. Also, um, I think I've got a Lursa and Bator, but then I also have a Lursa. Yeah, I have. they are both in there separately also. Okay. Don't worry. Bator didn't get left out. There's an individual three-star okay. Bator card. I was confused. I was like, what the fuck? Why do I got Lursa and Bator and Lursa? Um, timelines, guys. It's been going on for as long as this podcast has, at least. But um, <laughs> but it's still still going. Oh, also, it's a terrible game and a huge money grab. Oh, yeah. Don't spend money on that. Don't do it. We uh, we named more characters than you're allowed to have if you don't spend money. <laughs> You constantly know. will be shuffling characters out. I I just came back after not playing for years, and they're like, look at all this free stuff we gave out while you were gone, and my uh, crew slots went up fucking, like, crazy. Ah, yeah, well, that's nice. Um, so I got, like, 300 crew slots or something, but um, I've been playing it, so I'm going to max that out pretty soon. I'm going to have to start dumping dudes again. Yeah, I and you, you won't get enough stuff to freeze enough dudes to make room. No, I'm working on it, but <clears throat> I've only frozen 55 of my guys. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, 23rd, Ryan wrote, It's not often I have to correct you, gents, but I was referring to your name-dropping of a high school classmate with whom we no longer associate. Oh. Uh, I guess he wasn't expecting to hear that name on the podcast, because why would I say the first and last name of someone we went to school <laughs> with on a podcast? It's Except because that, no uh, one listens to this podcast. That's right. A, no one listens no one to this, help. and B, it's funny. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't even remember who you were talking about. So, yeah, Jason, if you hear this and you object to the story uh, where I uh, say you were a liar in eighth grade, <laughs> um, you know, you shouldn't a, have been a liar. Please, Think about it. Please try to remember that eighth grade was thirty years ago now. Uh-huh. And <laughs> and and B, uh, I don't know. I can bleep your name if you want. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. I'm That's not going right. to bleep his name. No, fuck that. That uh, takes uh, post-production work. And I haven't done that in a very long time. What uh, else we got? No, I mean, I did it. I had to, I had to go through and uh, edit that one <coughs> episode we got copyright strikes on. I mean, you say you had to. But... I mean, I could have just left it out of the feed, but then what is this, the Chinese history podcast? I just feel like they probably would have forgotten about it. You know, since no crimes really happened. <laughs> like if I just put the episode back, if yeah. I just republished it. You just published it again, no one would have known. No one listens to this podcast, no one would have known. Maybe, maybe, maybe. On the 28th, uh, that was the day you flew out here, wasn't it? Yes. You posted, you uh, retweeted Roger Sherman who posted, I asked if it was offensive to eat a Pop-Tart in front of the Pop-Tarts Bowl mascot. And then its handler yelled out, it's their dream. And then the mascot grabbed a Pop-Tart out of my hand and started force-feeding it to me while making soft grunting noises. <laughs> the Pop-Tart Bowl was really an unqualified success. Everyone had a great time. The entire time, the announcers were just saying things like, and the mascot will die at the end of the game. He will be devoured. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everyone had a great time. It was great. Fuck the playoff. Who needs it? Just have more crazy bowls and crazy mascots. Where guy force feeds him a pop tart while making soft grunting noises. 
like they hired the tree, the Stanford tree mascot, and told him to get in the get in the Pop Tart suit and just do his usual thing. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the if so, he would have been looking around for drunken San Jose State fans <laughs> just to get to the brawl gotta, with. Got to do a quick ocular pat down, make sure I'm not about to get attacked by people who <laughs> think we have a rivalry, but we don't. Yep. <clears throat> I, uh, bowl season uh, is a lot of fun. The- it, even though college football is getting more and more like the rest of our society, which is shitty and bad, bowl season is still hilarious. Well, you uh, your next tweet was from Matt Brown, who said, uh, NC State has played in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, Champ Sports Bowl, Mazda Tangerine Bowl, Visit Florida Tangerine Bowl, MicronPC.com Bowl, and MicronPC Bowl, which are all, of course, the same game. <laughs> yep, Tangerine Bowl has had many sponsors in the recent years some of whom want to harken back to the name tangerine and some of whom do not some of whom are like no it's the pop tarts bowl now it's the micronpc.com bowl and the last year we had you call it the micron pc bowl but um you Is know we really want to push the website now. <laughs> yeah we're we right people the to know we've got a website people used to do that i remember insight.com had as sponsored a bowl game for years and i never went to insight.com to find out what that was did not matter but they wanted to make sure it was insight.com bowl remember when GoDaddy started doing big advertisements Mm -hmm. and they'd be like hey check out our bikini girls on these ads and then come to godaddy.com to see more of the bikini girls and then you're like isn't that a not a web host? Yeah, isn't that where you like get isn't, I could get, make a website there? I don't want to what does it have to do with what the bikini girls? Yeah, man, they were like um they had like Danica Patrick for a long time. Was, yeah, they did. Was hyping them. It was it was weird. The odds could have been better. Honestly. Uh you retweeted Roy Drones Jr., who wrote Everyone has had a subway phase where you ate subway sandwiches for like a month straight. That was undiagnosed depression. Yeah. I had that until you, my car got thinking rejected. Thinking about yours? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't go back to subway anymore. Imagine what happened to my when, depression then. When your card got declined on that $5 <laughs> foot long purchase, did the guy say, do you want to see if it'll go through if it's a six inch? I can cut this in half. <laughs> no. I was genuinely panicked because I thought, I know I got enough money to pay for a Subway sandwich, but what's happening right here? And I think the guy just felt bad for me and handed me my card and I just let, I left. I don't think I said anything else. I just walked right out <laughs> to figure out what the fuck had happened. You know, one of those times, one of the 15 times Bank of America has decided on its own to cancel one of my cards and send a new one without notifying me in any way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. love to do that where they're like, we're protecting you. I mean, we weren't going to tell you about it or nothing. You're probably just going to trash the card when it comes. You just got to check your mail every day. You can't just let a big pile of it pile up and then it's like, oh, yeah, they did send me a new debit card. And you got to open every single thing because it could just be in a blank envelope just sitting there and no one told you it was coming. These fucking Oh, yeah, they don't want anyone who's looking through your mail to know there's a new uh, debit card in there. Yeah, it'd be cool if they told me, though. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Then I don't (laughs) get embarrassed at my local subway. I could have brought cash. Yeah. I might have had cash, you but had, I was too embarrassed listen, to check. You had the five dollars. <laughs> that wasn't the problem. Price. I probably had the cash and was too embarrassed to check and just walked right out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
this next one's visual, so I do uh, I do enjoin all of you to go look at our actual. Um... <laughs> no, I can't in good conscience tell you to go to that. Nah, website. don't do it. But uh, there is a post here that says a single image of Mr. Ed is more powerful than entire seasons of television today. It's and then there's four stills from the show black and white horse show mr ed one where he's uh looking through a telescope on board a ship yeah he's spyglassing it or whatever a wooden sailing ship uh definitely one where he's surfing uh-huh one where he's looking in the mirror and also there's a play horse calendar next to it on the wall and his tongue's sticking out like he's like he's maybe a little horny about it and um <laughs> one where he's writing lines on a chalkboard that say i am a bad horse <laughs> <laughs> yeah who knew mr ed got up to so many adventures i thought he mostly just hung around but and you know like mr met i do find him a motive i mean there's a people in the uh replies put up some other mr eds that are pretty good <coughs> and um oh there was one where did it go there was one where he was hitting on a lady horse that was really making me laugh but i don't know it's disappeared into the comments somewhere i think he said his name is big ed in it comes up to the lady the lady horse and he says hey they call me big ed and i was like holy shit he was macking on horses crazy sorry i'm just i just watched him crank a home run in dodger (laughs) stadium and now yeah man tv was four four separate shots of him running the bases because uh oh oh the fake sliding is amazing (laughs) telling you man god tv genuinely was better it was better. Hey, was Mister Ed good? I think it might, have been, good, think it might have been a good show. Ed the Horse was a good show. It turns out. Oh man! Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. This is good. This is good footage of him running these bases. Because a horse can't turn, so they just got to do separate <laughs> shots. <laughs> this slide was wild. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, man! Shit, maybe that. Okay, well, I'll ask Marjan. She'll definitely say yes. She'll want to watch it. hopefully pretty soon i'll be reporting on real episodes of mr ed oh i can't wait i'm looking forward to that we'll have to uh we'll have to make a a segment intro for ed the horse i'm not doing it see what you did oh it's uh, it's okay you canceled it right before it even started because i I was like i don't have time to make a song about it uh uh yeah ryan wrote well i'm pretty gosh darn happy about the live like you were dying reference uh, yeah, I, I did. I did insert some lines from "Live Like You Were Dying" into my roundup of what happened in the episode "Tapestry." <laughs> a great episode. A great episode yeah. we thought very highly of. Uh, and he says, "I feel like all good things is going to show that Q has plenty of power for time travel, or at least a very good illusion of it." Listen, I know I'm out on a limb here when I say I don't think Q has the power of time travel, and he's just a liar, and he just makes it up. Yeah, I don't know. What if he's making all that stuff up? That could just be an illusion. All the, the all good things stuff. Why should I but believe Picard was back at the primordial times? It's possible in Tapestry, it's left completely open at the end that, that none of it, it happened. might not even be a Q illusion. It might just be a hallucination Picard had after he got shot. It's true. That would be a weird one, though, man. And Q was there, and he made me relive my life, and I was a shitty lieutenant, and then, like, I was like, Jordy gave me one order. I'm never doing this again. I'll die first. 
<laughs> and then Q was really nice. Or, you know, my dream of Q was really nice. And he let me go back and fucking get stabbed again. It was great. It was a great dream. Yeah. Anyway, what I learned from my dream is most of my decisions are correct. That's right. <laughs> Even the ones that I, for years, I was smart enough to regret. Now that I think about it, I am not going to do that anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, five days ago, Ryan asked, what about a show about the Academy where all the students are new characters, but a couple of the staff slash faculty are characters that we know? Are they still played by 34-year-olds? That's all oh, I want to know. Are all the students? kids? Yeah. For sure. All <laughs> the kids 34. Because when I yeah, looked I at Picard's know. buddies in that episode, I went, those guys are in their 30s for sure. It is yeah. true that Picard's buddies were not 21 and 22. Nah. Um, <laughs> but, but what about Wesley's crew with Nova Squad? Um, I mean, Nick Lacarno. Nick Lacarno seems a little aged for the team, but I don't know. Maybe those other people could pass as young enough. Cedo uh, Jackson might have been young. Yeah, uh, maybe Wesley's crew from the Academy entrance exams. They seemed young. Yeah. I mean, except for old Mordock. Mordock. He could have been 100. I have no idea how old he was. Yeah, we don't know enough about those guys. No. Including whether there's from... such a thing as Benzonites that don't don't use the <laughs> harmonicas at all. Yep. It could be a thing. Um, also, I think he and Mendon said they were from the same geo geosphere. <laughs> Geos- I don't remember what he said. <laughs> I just remember mm-hmm. thinking at the time that they were they're similar to Pouch Brothers. They were almost Pouch Brothers. Yes. <clears throat> I forgot that Jakar's a marsupial. Yeah, man. Because he looks all That's lizardy. Important. But uh, now he's a... Uh, describe him as pouchlings and uh, stuff like that. <clears throat> all right. Uh, finally... You retweeted Homefield two days ago, say, who said, watching the at uh, Sen Spud instant classic 60 times consecutively to get me amped up for tonight's game. I'm going to try to play this. It okay. may start playing at a weird point in the clip. Pro Hop Nebraskans yep. at those garbage app. <laughs> That was almost the end. Yeah. We need to keep analytics out of football. Every time I turn on a football podcast, it's EPA this and why I see that. But football is about G-O-D. You think when it's third and six, Bill Belichick turns on his calculator? No, he inherently knows which play to call because in 2005, him and Tom Brady took a make-a-wish kid out into the woods and offered him to pay him in one of the seven kings of hell. Coaches, don't listen to your numbers, guy. Listen to the wind. You don't go for two because some equation told you to. You do it because last night you had a dream you were walking on the beach and you saw it written in the sand. This isn't trigonometry, it's war. We didn't win D-Day because of some spreadsheet. We won because the morning of Eisenhower ate 16 eggs and said, I'm going to crow hop Nebraskans at those crowds till they cry. We're not computers. This sport's about emotion. None of the girl emotions, though. The boy emotions, like murder and sprinting. So keep math out of football. Or I'll do something real bad. Just trying to celebrate college football one more time. <laughs> Just wraps up for the year. <sighs> And, um, I mean, do you want to take a minute here to also uh, exult in your football pool victory? Oh, I mean, I did win the football pool for the 15th, 20th time. I don't know. For the millionth time. I won it again. I won the football you beat pool. The, you beat the computer again, but <clears> the computer <throat> came number two again. So Yeah, the algorithm does pretty good, and it had a good stretch there where it was on top. But uh, it's back to... When it does know. bad at the end, I just go... <laughs> crazy year yeah and i never like try to improve it in any way <laughs> no, no 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 this is not worthy of fine-tuning 
Uh, I mean, Cyrus was over 500 this year, so. Check yeah, out pretty and that's pretty good for picking helmets out of a bag. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, he likes it when we want something from him. Um, he thinks it's hilarious because normally we're just telling him no and don't. Uh, so when we're like, hey, pick one of these helmets, he just, he picks them both up and he looks at me and he just goes, uh, uh. <laughs> he just refuses to pick. He just smiles and holds the helmets and I go, come on, pick one. Come on, pick one. Go ahead and pick one. We, we got to do fucking 16 of these. Just pick one, please. <laughs> so anyway. It's the end of the mailbag. We're done. That's the end of the show. Man, that'd be cool. No. And we did a 36-minute show one time, didn't we? Uh, Maybe probably. the last time we had a separate mailbag from <laughs> when we kept threatening to Trek. remove the separate the non-Star Trek episode and no one thought took us serious. No one thought we would really do it. But um we've done so much more pirating since then. So, that is true. Worth it. We've sn- we sneak a lot more pirating in and it's nice not to have to do this uh every week. Yeah. Uh, all um, right. So as I but said, we got to do it now. Fucking Voyager sucked so many <laughs> fucking asses last week that they they got to go first again. And I swear to fucking God, just based on what I gave them, there's no way they're not going first next time. So well, they <laughs> they put up 15 last week. That's let's bad. Uh, so let's set that as their metric. <laughs> Can they get to 15 points? Mm, it's gonna be tough. Uh, <laughs> the episode we watched is called Fury. Voyager. All right. This episode starts with Tuvok in Janeway's office. And she's... She's mad at him. Mm. But she's more mad than she's ever been at anybody. And, like, we haven't seen the word Fury on the screen yet, so we're not misdirected. No. I guess if we read it in TV Guide. Yeah, right. But then it would have a bad description about how Kes came back or whatever. It would be like, so a former crew you know, member returns. When she starts talking about, I had to dig through the library to find this, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, ah, it's his birthday. Yep. Anyway, it's Tuvok's birthday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ba- I have here She's- the quick hitters. Bad fake out in this teaser. As soon as I saw her pissed in her office, I yelled, he didn't tell her it's his birthday. It's a birthday. Fuck you, Brandon. Not because I remembered, <laughs> yeah. because it was telegraphed. Yep, it was very badly telegraphed. And also, this is the member of her crew that she attempts to fake out with a you're in trouble. Tuvok the Vulcan. <laughs> yeah. This is a joke you do on Harry Kim. Yeah, he'd be scared, for sure. That you would definitely Literally no no other member of the crew would, would go for this the way she wants. Anyway, she, uh... She replicates him a nasty cake that's covered with what looks like half an inch of fondant. Mm-hmm. But they get called to the bridge, so we don't even get to see what the inside of that cake looks like. There is a distress call from a small vessel on an intercept course, and they do a scan, and there's one inhabitant, and it is an Ocompan life sign, and yep, when she calls up, it's old Kess, as in elderly. Yeah. Or... She, or she got hella irradiated in some way. She looks the rough. two makeups look similar in Star Trek. Uh, yeah, I will say it's not a full Jameson. So at least there's Or she's that. got the phage. 
could be that too. It's not a full Jameson, which in retrospect does look a lot like Carl Havoc. <laughs> no, yeah, Jameson Have we said that before? Like we probably Havoc. already said that, right? That someone looked like Carl Havoc. We probably said. <laughs> no, we started this show so long ago. <laughs> oh, we've said that someone looked like Carl yeah, Havoc. Yeah, I'm sure Absolutely, we, we, we 100%. said someone's bad makeup looked like Carl Havoc. Yeah. But we started this show before before Tim Robinson sold I Think You Should Leave, probably before he sold Detroiters. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we did not we did not get a chance to make that observation during two sorters of season, <laughs> but yeah. Then what's Test, the show? Uh, <laughs> it's a perfect ending to us to skits. They usually don't end up very well, but him screaming what's the show when he says, Alright, we're not gonna do it then. <laughs> uh <laughs> Old Cass asks, uh, please, please let me on the ship. And then, I mean, Janeway's going to say yes, but Cass just rams the ship with her shuttle anyway. Yeah. Uh, but she beams over before, I think they catch the shuttle with the tractor beam. It doesn't matter because she beams over and she just starts walking down the corridor slowly like one step at a time while panels blow out into space behind her. Well, they told uh, her to walk as slow as she could so the fucking CGI could all happen behind her dramatically. The bad yep. fucking CGI. Um, <laughs> uh, after the credits, uh, we learn that she's just blowing everything up with neurogenic energy. She's headed for engineering. A couple of security guards shoot her with phaser rifles that do nothing. Remember that for later. <laughs> but she uh, she fucks him up with an angry glare. She pushes past Bellana and Seven of Nine, not a, so much as a "Who are you?" Uh, and then I guess I guess she left the week after Seven of Nine joined the crew. Maybe. Yeah, I think she was still all borged or whatever. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, hadn't yeah. yet uh, donned her great cat suit or whatever. Uh, she heads right to the warp core and she starts feeding on the rays. Mm. Uh, Bellana tries to shut down the warp core. Kes blasts her. She's dead. Yeah. Then Kes blinks out of existence. We see her wink back in at presumably a very early point in the series. Only a couple of months into the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, she asks and the computer says it's been 56 days. Right. She um she stops by sickbay to steal some equipment. She endorses the name Pyongko for Schmullis before walking out on him. Mm. So, you know, we're in the past. Yeah, pronounced shittily. Pyongko. Yeah. She goes to, uh no, then she goes to Airponics Bay, where she knocks out current Kess slash young Kess. Season one Kess gets knocked yeah. out. Then she goes to the mess hall to get a cup of coffee so she can bring coffee to Janeway. While she's there, she cancels the date with Neelix because she don't fucking care. No, I mean, neither did the first guest. She's here to do some stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Up in Janeway's office, she and Shakota are discussing the latest Vidian attack and actually saying the take you gave to Voyager's all-time top-scoring episode, Phage. (laughs) When Kess comes in. Yeah, but actually this time it's weird. Uh, Janeway is mad at Chakotay for having um, any sort of sympathy for them at all. 
Yes. Because she's Janeway the pirate, and I guess they've written that into her past now. In that episode, she gives them a look when they're on the transporter pad in the end, and she's like, oh, dang. This might be us. But in this episode, she's like, how dare you feel sympathy for those animals? Yes, she says that, but then Chicote says, I mean, what would we do if we were in their situation? And I was like, there was. That was the take. That's why the Vidians exist. Yep. Um, Kes uh, spills a little coffee as a pretense to stay behind when Jamie gets called to the bridge. And then, because there's no infosec in the future... She's just able to play on Janeway's laptop. Yeah. That coffee really it's was. Not, that was the whole plan, man. She went all the way to get that coffee from Neelix so she could come up and spill a little bit on Janeway's desk. <laughs> yep. Crazy. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you know, when, you, when I go to the doctor, mm. it's pretty rare. But when I go to the doctor, the doctor is wearing a little card. Right. And... Her computer wakes up when the card is close to it and then goes to sleep again when the card moves away. Right? Yep. (sighs) You'd think the the comm badge would do that. You'd think the ship would just know where Janeway is. It should lock down as soon as she steps away from the desk. Yeah, man. But but no. No, she, no. Guess. Guess of all Guess just gets in there. Yeah. No, no. And (sighs) Guess gets in many places in this episode where people are confused to find her. So, yes. On the bridge, Janeway is talking to Samantha Wildman. Yeah. In a scene that oddly suggests she belongs in the past. Yes. With any hope Schmullis ever had of becoming a person with rights yes. and a name. All these things are purposely written into the past. It's very yes. odd. Um, <laughs> uh, but when Kess walks back out through the bridge, Tuvok gets a real distracted look on his face. And although it seems like Kess notices, don't I worry. think she just leaves. Yeah, it don't doesn't worry. matter. She don't know nothing. So what's happening in the past that she's jumped into is that the Vidians are, I guess, herding Voyager towards some bad part of subspace in order to ambush them. In a scene from an episode we never saw in season one. Yeah. Um, and... Janeway has a radical proposal to minimize the amount of time they have to spend in the subspace vacuoles, which is to let the computer just automatically repoint the ship and then warp to the next place and repoint the ship, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks that seems (laughs) risky and weird. And I said out loud, why isn't that what they always do? (laughs) They must not trust their fucking computers, man. She tells Tom Paris... I think the neural gel packs can calculate vectors a little faster than you, Tom. And it's like, yeah, he probably can't do it at all. (laughs) Yeah, that seems right, actually. If I had to guess, he he probably asks the computer to do it. He knows about trucks, though. I mean, he knows a little bit about trucks. He knows knows about Captain Proton. Is that going to come up? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, but he told Harry Kim that was just a game where he could have a harem. <laughs> and then Harry, Harry Kim gets increasingly frustrated when he wants to play out the bad B-movie parts. Yeah. They need to send a shuttle ahead to map it out. You know, either like when Picard has to, when it's his ship, Will, or mm. uh, when Riker needs to have a conversation about pronouns. Yes, 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 yes. 
and Tuvok pipes up and suggests they should use the Delta Flyer because it's got better sensors. And everyone looks at him like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? What is that? But for a second, I thought they forgot they didn't have the Delta Flyer yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. I did not give them credit for it right away. It's not your fault. They haven't really earned the benefit of the doubt. So, well, he can't explain what he meant. He says, "I guess I was thinking of, of another starship," and no yeah. one says, "No one would name uh, craft the Delta Flyer." I couldn't. remember. What would that mean? Not in the Delta <laughs> Quadrant. I couldn't remember if at this point he'd already had that parasite in his neck that made him see that dead that girl falling over the canyon or whatever. And I just I think he had not by this point. I just wondered if people were in the room going, I think he's got the nice. parasites back. Well we'll have him I'm gonna later I'm gonna go and start asking surreptitious questions about the health of the crew to the doctor, but <laughs> I'll ask so about I'll Tuvok while I'm in there. Yeah. there yeah, while I'm in there doing that. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, well. Um so yeah, he can't explain why that happened, but nobody really cares about it. Um, we go to the shuttle bay where Kess is on one of the real shuttles, uh, trying to plot a course back to the Ocampan homeworld, but Tom Paris walks in because he needs that shuttle. There's another one right next to it, but that's you know, the one. That's the one he likes. Yeah. He thinks she's just homesick. <clears throat> uh, and even when he sees the root home programmed on the screen, he's not that curious about it. He just tries to use it as an excuse to get a date with her in the holodeck. Yep. Tells um, her she should take lessons from the best in the biz. And yeah. then, weirdly, she says, uh, well, you could do it, but Commander Riker's who I'd want for that <laughs> Commander job. Riker's the man you want. <laughs> um, Tuvok is walking the corridors, and he runs into... Naomi Wildman, current age Naomi Wildman, coming out of the turbo lift. And he knows that's wrong. And he starts following her to the holodeck, but it's like a dream where he can't quite catch up to her. Uh, not the holodeck, uh, the cargo bay. And uh, when he walks through the door into the cargo bay, there's seven and nine and all the Borg buddies and little alcoves. I mean, they just show two of them, but you, I think you're yeah. supposed to imagine they're all there. You don't need to have all of them for this one. You don't need uh, the twins or whoever. Ich- Icheb and Mazzotti. Oh, the it's, twins just got, it's just the twins. Okay, yeah. well, whatever. I wasn't paying attention. They don't get the baby in there either. <laughs> no, no one knows what happened to the baby. <laughs> it's never been um, mentioned again. We've had to make up our own story about what happened to the baby, man. They never mentioned the baby again. But then he blinks and they're gone, and Lieutenant Carey's there in a scene that suggests that he belongs in the past also. Yeah, didn't he beef it? I assume he did. Nope. He didn't die? He will, but not yet. Hold on. Hold on. He's got one more coming. Lieutenant Carey isn't dead yet? Hold on a second. Lieutenant Carey dies in the episode Friendship 1. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. That's almost the end of the show. It's very near the end of the show. What the... I just assumed he was dead because he's been fucking gone. He just ain't been in it. There's only a few people on the ship. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, it's wild. Man, this is a weird episode. Yeah, so anyway, he's there this week, as if also to tell you, oh, this is season one. That's but so it's weird. it makes sense to us, but it don't, wouldn't make any sense to Tuvok anyway. Cass goes to her quarters, where Neelix has left her a pad with a sweet message and an incredibly condescending tone of voice, and he's turned on some piano music. And the whole thing makes her mad. She sweeps everything off the table, and she sends an encrypted message to the Vidians, 
who she offers to help, saying Voyager, quote, abandoned her a long time ago. Mm. Does her seem to indicate plan... that it really is Kess and not like a evildoer in her in her image or something. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, everything in the show is going to lead lead us to believe that, but we're not we're never gonna understand why. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's not fine, but we'll talk about it. Her plan seems to be to take herself and season one Kess to uh the Ocompan homeworld. She uh, hacks into the tactical database. She can use that with her hand because she's still got powers. Meanwhile, Tuvok is like, enough is enough. And he has gone to Janeway to explain the hallucinations that he's having. Finally, he didn't and, just uh, say like he was sleepy. Did she tell him he was maybe just tired and stressed? I mean, she kind of didn't seem to think it was a big deal. But then she did tell the computer, you know what? Just record everything that happens around Tuvok. It, Everything, actually, all parameters. I did get the feeling she did that just to make him feel better. I don't think she cared. It did seem like it did seem like she was humoring him, but honestly, that's what happened when Beverly did that to Picard. He was yeah. in uh, in the bubble. He was like, "Okay, yeah." <clears throat> and she at least she doesn't have the computer constantly speak readings out loud. Well, but then it's very dramatic when it's suddenly silent. She turns over and he's gone. Um. All right. They get to the subspace vacuoles. Okay. Tuvok gets a false sensor reading of a ship coming in. And then he heads off the bridge with what seems like disaster level diarrhea. <laughs> I think we're supposed to think he's disoriented and hallucinating again. But like <laughs> he, says the way like he like hunched he's... over and then just asked to be excused and left the bridge. I really thought he already shit himself. <laughs> it's too late. He's got to go. He's got to go. Sit. He's going to be in the head for the rest of this episode now. <laughs> Um, Janeway goes to check up on a biological weapon, by the way, that they've been devising, which yes. is, uh, yep. another, another instance of future Janeway somehow being projected back into past Janeway <laughs> yep. unnoticed. It's very, it's, it does track with what we come to learn about Janeway. I don't know if it tracks in season one. Yeah. Samantha Wildman on the bridge is like, I think I can do a war crime about this. And Janeway was like, yeah, let's, let's get working on that. I need three war crimes before the end of the day. Um, but when Wobman, who's still working on it, steps away for a minute, uh, Janeway says to Shmolas, hey, I know this is going to be a weird question. She doesn't tell him Tuvok told her about this, but she says, hey, uh, is she pregnant? <laughs> and the doctor's like, hey, that's a that crosses a line for me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she don't care about that. No. So yeah, he says, yeah, yep, she's pregnant. And no, by the she way, says, the but reason what if she... it was what if the ship was in danger? And then he seems like he's gotten permission to do the thing he wanted to do anyway as yes, he gleefully whispers to her about how pregnant she is. How right, fucking right, right, pregnant right. this lady is. Just like uh just like uh ten episodes ago, this guy was the source of a rumor that half of the ship was pregnant. <laughs> but don't worry about that at all. Nope. <sighs> Um, also, by the way, he has to drop a line in here about how the gestation period is going to be twice as long because he's half Katarian or whatever. So, so we don't think, well, wait a minute. She was born at the end of season two. Yeah. Yep. It's true. They they did one piece of work trying to make it make sense. Um, 
now Tuvok Halusa remembers the attack from the top of the episode. And he goes to stand in front of the warp core where he sees old cast ice Bellana. Yeah. And then I mean, he, he did not witness, but that's right. That's fine. That's fine. Why would he need to witness it to remember it in the future? It's a, it's an extremely good question. You mean, why would he need to witness it in the future to remember it in the past? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Don't act like you, you know what I'm, you I understand. Did, I everything did because I've here. seen this episode, but I assume that this is total garbage to anyone who hasn't. <laughs> no one's even listening to this anymore. They definitely turned it off. Yeah, 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 yeah. He remembers in the past an event he did not witness in the future. That's correct. That is, is what happens. Fucking stupid. Um, because Kes is in sick bay. She turns Tuvok's synaptic stimulator up to 11 to give him the brain scramblies, so he's out of it for a bit now. Yeah. Janeway checks the computer scan from the moment of his collapse and discovers tachyons, and in this episode, that is a sure sign of time travel. <laughs> yep, I have that note as well. Because Suddenly the writer forgot really that there was such a thing as chronotons. chronotons. Yeah, it's a tachyon thing now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yes, tachyon has previously have been a sure sign of warp speed. <laughs> or subs general subspace fuckery. It's so, uh, this episode so poorly made. It makes me so upset because Voyager was gonna be bad no matter what, right? Because the writers are bad, but this one's so poorly made. <clears throat> Jamie goes to ask Cass if she's have feeling anything because she's the only other telepath on this show. Although I don't remember if that was already a part of Cass's yeah. makeup at this point. I don't know if they knew that. I'm not sure they knew that yet. It's by, by the way, it's not clear when exactly this episode falls in the timeline. No, based I on mean, star dates and everything, it's not a hundred percent clear where it should be. It becomes incredibly <laughs> unclear when Janeway says in a couple of scenes from now. <laughs> Something about three years ago that she time traveled to yeah. three years ago, and well, I went, five. "Hold on a second. Oh no, that's no, five though. It's but not three. Janeway just didn't know when Kess came from because Kess told her in three years you're going to abandon me, which is true. It was <laughs> at the very start of season four, and then probably didn't explain how much time she spent floating in space and going crazy. <laughs> I guess. And so Janeway just heard the three years part oh, okay. and listen. For some reason, at the end of this, Janeway, past Janeway, is going to decide to keep all of this a secret and not tell anybody, even Chakotay. <laughs> and I'm guessing she's also just going to not think about it. I don't think anyone thinks about it. It's wild. Yeah. What happens in the end. Okay, well, that makes more sense. Because when she said yeah. three years, I just, I spiraled. And I was like, wait a minute, what the fuck are they talking about? So anyway, Kess says, not. Nah, n- uh, no, I don't. I got nothing. But she does go to talk to the Vidians and tell them, "Listen, uh, this has got to happen soon. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get you those specs. I promise." But I guess in a scene we don't see, she asks them, "Can you please attack early, and I will send you those specs as soon as I can?" Because that's basically what happens. And for some reason, they trust that this is not a trap. I don't understand it. Yeah. Um. Kess sends them the tactical data. The Vidians start to breach the ship. Janeway's bioweapon doesn't work, or it gets turned off. Chakotay detects at this point a transmission, which is coming from Airponics, and when they scan the Airponics bay, there's like, hey, there's two goddamn Kesses in there. That's, again, something should have an automatic alert. There just should be something. <laughs> Maybe a yellow alert, just to be like, hey, take a look at it. Like a little thing pops up on the fucking operations console, and it's like, just take a look at this. Just see what this is. 
There, it says there's yeah. two Ks's right now. Can you look at that? Yeah, it's just like a caution. It's just like yeah. a caution indicator that says two yeah. Ks's? Is this okay? <laughs> Can you just look? Go in there and use your eyes and look and see if there's two Ks's in there. Please. And then like Harry Kim will say to Janeway, <laughs> "Hey, the uh, I just got a I just got a master caution alert that says there's two Ks's," and uh, and then uh, Janeway will say, oh, "There's a lot of reasons that could happen." Let's, you know, let's, but yeah, let, yeah, I'm let's busy. look into it. We're doing Vidian stuff right now. I'm busy. <clears throat> Clear the alarm and see if it pops up again in five minutes. If it does, we'll think about it. Um, man, Janeway cuts off the control functions to Aeroponics. Don't know why they ever had control functions down there, yeah. but now. I guess maybe it's harder for them to make alfalfa sprouts without them or something. But she turns off the had control them function. back before they were, it was aeroponics and it was just a cargo bay two or whatever. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. You had to be able to beam stuff around and et cetera. Yeah. Um, she sends security down and then uh, she goes down to see what the hell's going on. Kes uses her powers to get past Janeway, but she can't take uh, sleepy season one Kes out into the corridor because there's a firefight there. Yeah, because the Vidians are just all over this bitch right now. We cut to Chakotay and Kim working to disengage from the Vidian ships who have grapplers. And then back where Kes tells Janeway she wasn't ready to leave Voyager, but when she realized how crazy it was out in space or whatever. She couldn't go home again because of, you know, seven of, I mean, because she changed too much. Also, didn't she and, specifically uh, leave Voyager because she was going to blow up Voyager if she stayed? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't like no, they she told her that. to leave. Like she wasn't, she going to, wasn't she going to blow everything up? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. It's just, and she sent them 10,000 light years away yeah, to save them. She eated them, and then I don't And then she probably what... immediately started chasing them. She went, No, 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 no. <laughs> it sucks out of here. Yeah. If she could eat them that far, how come she couldn't catch them? It's crazy. Oh, I made a big mistake. I'm three. <laughs> um, And she says the Okampa would never accept her because she's, you know, she's changed too much. Uh, Voyager breaks free from the Vidians. Kess and Janeway have a powers versus phasers fight, but Janeway has a big advantage here. She loves to kill. It's true. She's got bloodlust. Uh, so she, uh, turns her phaser up and one blast of that sweet, sweet orange energy kills old Kess and even worse, makes her look old again. I know. That is worse for sure. Then Tuvok and Janeway go to stand in front of the warp core. Well, he explains what was happening in the last premonition, and they say, well, she'll need the warp core energy again, you know, when she comes back from the future. We just don't know when that'll be. Young Kess wakes up in sickbay, and Janeway goes to explain to her what happened and ask for her help in preventing it from this happening is, again. This is the wildest part. Yeah. There's exactly one person you should keep the plan from. It's Believe it or not, it's not Chakotay. No. <laughs> but it is Kes. Yep. We then um, cut back to Tuvork's birthday, which um, plays out as before. Yeah. Except this time, when Kes says the life sign is, or when Harry Kim says the life sign on the shuttle is Okompin, Janeway says, I'd almost forgotten, and evacuates deck 11. <laughs> she should have put a calendar reminder in or something. Well, she never knew what date Kes came from, I guess. It's not good, man. You in fact, she probably had been it. expecting it for a couple of years and had thought, oh, well, I guess true. we must have prevented it somehow. <laughs> she still thought it was three years. 
She was probably expecting it like for the first <laughs> few weeks after Kess left in season four. Yeah, that's probably true. She's probably like, oh, but then that's so weird because <coughs> now she already so worked up. It's only been like yeah. a week. Whatever. Uh, Kess attacks again as before, and uh, Janeway has the warp core shut down before she can get there this time. She and Tuvok head down to engineering, but meanwhile, old Cass uh, sees a hologram of young Cass that tells her to find another way home. Mm. <sighs> mm. Janeway walks in and tries to convince Cass to stay or to go home or whatever, but just not to do the time travel thing she did last time. And now Cass remembers making the hologram in the past and That's says nice. she'd almost forgotten. <laughs> But that's all she needs is to remember yeah, making that. Just to and remember then I, she's how she no felt in that angry. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's real good stuff. Um, Neelix uh, comes to see her off, and then they beam her out to, back to her shuttle. Janeway tearfully tells Tuvok, there's no reason to explain what just happened to anyone ever. The end. <laughs> Are you interpreting all the symbols? <laughs> Searching your subconscious for their meaning? Chaco, I don't know what to tell you, man. I try and I try. Uh, I said, take a look in the mirror because maybe you're blaming other people for your own suckitude. Seems like Cass made a bad choice and she's mad at everyone else in the galaxy about it. And as soon as she hears young Cass say, these people were good to you, you could just chill out. She's like, ah, oh, okay. I guess it was me, probably. I probably overreacted. Oh. In fact, I remember saying that. I remember saying that exact thing. I'd almost forgotten, mm. but I didn't. But, but I didn't forget. If I don't go to the past, then I'll never record that message. Yeah, she mm. doesn't care about that. She's not worried about that mm. part of it. Um, I said that's nothing. I gave it a one. I don't know. That's not Sure. I guess so. Take a look in the mirror. Thanks, Voyager. Yeah. I don't know. What did you think it was? Look, this one is baffling for like a number of reasons. Here's where I landed. This episode seems to suggest that letting someone grow, develop, leave the nest can do a lot of damage. Like it can go wrong. Okay. But it also suggests that damage can be repaired by saying, hey, we're friends, remember? <laughs> don't you remember? I know you'd almost forgotten, but surely you remember. So is that it, man? Is this growing up is dangerous, but you don't have to go it alone? Yeah, okay, maybe. Okay, all right. That's a three. Okay. Enjoy <clears throat> your three points. Um. Now, the strength of the episode, for sure. General execution. <laughs> As with nearly every time they make a time travel story, this one don't make no sense. It makes no fucking sense. Everything in it is fucking weird. If Kess never goes back, young Kess never records the message, Janeway doesn't prepare for the attack, and then everything happens like in the opening sequence. Sure. It... It becomes like a Quantum superposition of the two parts of the loop. They could have easily hand-waved this away by having something in there about Tuvok having had premonitions. 
Mm. At, like, Tuvok is like Guinan, and he can sense the other reality where this happened somehow. Sure. And they got Kess to make a message, and she didn't understand why she made it, but now old Kess understands it now that she looks at it. But they didn't. I invented that in my mind, so my brain didn't have to shut down and die. Yeah, maybe they could have done something about branching timelines or something. Yeah. Or now in this one. The, they give the, old Kess yeah. one minute of exposition in the whole fucking episode. So it is impossible to understand what happened to her out there after the gift. Yep. But they spend three or four minutes showing Chakotay and Kim busting out of the Vidian CGI grapplers <laughs> in an attack dumb. that is temporarily averted and wouldn't have mattered if it wasn't. Never, never fucking happened or mattered. they spit in our face by taking their highest scoring episode and explaining why it was good when they couldn't quite get it into the show the first time and it was our first cooked take that's right (laughs) jim we just peed chakotay just paid peed right on the rubric with that one yeah no he did he's like hey remember when you guys gave out a 50 piece for this piece of shit show pow in fact they show us a version of season one of Voyager that's maybe a little better than actual season one because it's focused on the Vidians instead of the Kazon. Uh, yeah, that would have been nice if they'd spent more time with the lung stealers than with the guys who were in violence gangs or whatever was supposed to be happening. Yes. They use Carrie, who is still alive, and Samantha Wadman, who is still alive, <sighs> so as weird. indicators that we are in the past. <laughs> Along with Schmullis's name quest and the fact that he's no longer able to sit in the conference room, or that he was was not at that time able to sit in the conference room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why does Tuvok have premonitions? Is it because of tachyons? That's new. <laughs> I didn't like much about this one. I gave it a two. Okay. Um, how about this one? Not great that somebody says out loud that Kess was a child. When all this stuff happened to her on Voyager, and that that person was Kess, because then it really seems like the writers are accusing themselves of some real shit. The same shit we've been accusing them of the whole time. So guilty, I guess. They're guilty as sin of all the things we've been accusing them about, of making sure we knew Kess was two, and then having all this stuff happen to her. Yeah. She says, I was a child, and I I threw my hands up and said, see? what we were saying the whole time this battle between kiss and janeway in the aeroponics bay is dumb brainless oh yeah it's a brainless fight what are we doing out here man i think these guys just hate voyager the voyager writers and uh, i get it but still look at how they make this past Janeway suck so hard like future Janeway. They're always going, this show fucking sucks. This is the worst show. Hey, guys, watch our bad show. Why wouldn't future Kes remember what Kes did? Why did she almost forget? Hey. Man? Yeah. I mean, this is her big plan is to come and steal Tachyons from the warp engine. She didn't remember when she did that before and all the things that happened. They should have been pretty dramatic. I mean, it's traumatic. It's gotta she was be like, because they, they couldn't think of a way to have this show be like, oh, and then anyway, Kess didn't attack because the past was changed. They had to have her attack again, and then but then they had to have a moment where she was like, oh, yeah. 
It's just so dumb. Of course she'd remember. It was a big deal. She got, like, uh, uh, abducted and shit. She'd fucking... Re- it's fine. You know, she never saw old Cass. She got knocked out from behind. Maybe she did see her for, like, one second, but I bet she don't remember it. Yeah, but she, she was got like knocked out asleep in a drawer for days. Like yeah. it's a big and then deal. Then she woke up in sick bay. Chinway was like, "I need you to record a crazy message." <laughs> it was a big deal. She'd remember that that happened. I need you to read this like you're a hostage. <laughs> I just, I just wouldn't have told Cass anything, and I just would have prepared a plan to capture old Cass. Yeah, you know, really, there should have just been a fucking snare there in engineering for the last <laughs> five years. She should have walked into the hollow engineering or something and then <laughs> yes. just yoink her from there. I just uh. Jane, Janeway should have twisted the ship so she went into the <laughs> fucking hollow engineering and just got Moriarty'd. That's right. And there's the part where I ranted about three years ago. I got so confused. I was like, that is not three years ago. What's happening? Um again the CGI behind Kess and the teaser is rough. Then again during too many Kesses, very bad. Uh, two Fox it's, powers. And by the way, it's so it's so wild because there's 20 scenes of two Kesses in this show, mm-hmm. and but then they expect us to recognize that Young Kess is a hologram in engineering because the CGI is a little worse. It's just a little bit worse, <laughs> slightly yeah. worse. Two Vox powers are so wild in this episode. He can even see events from future times that future Two Vox <laughs> didn't witness, like the death of Torres. Yeah. I don't know, man. All the criticisms we've said so far, I had to give it a one for general execution. It was so poorly made. It made no sense. I didn't understand any of what happened or why they did it. Like, I'm sure it's snake eyes for me up front. World building? Uh, it's a one. Uh, All right. Prepare the docking port is what Janeway says. The docking port? Yes. That shuttle apparently too big to land. We never know. how. We don't know how Janeway knows that, though. I don't. I've I mean, never you know what? Heard... Maybe you can't land anything back there with the Delta Flyer jamming it up. <laughs> I was gonna say we've never heard her say docking port before. I didn't know they had a docking port, but I guess they have one. Um, they have their sensors rigged to read neurogenic energy now. I guess that's a thing you can do. Uh, Pyongko, pronounced shittily by Schmullis, is a guy who cured cancer or something in the 21st century. Uh. Faster than light, no left or right. Yeah. Uh, I guess we've never really seen anybody turn around at war speed, unless it was during the battle and encounter at Farpoint. Nah, even then they, even then it's pretty much a I straight chase. I think they chase. dropped out, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just a chase. Uh, there's a lot of combat in TOS at warp, but I don't know how much maneuvering there is. Honestly, it a felt lot pretty combat. A straight line or maybe one veer move, you know? Yeah. Uh, I thought time travel was all about chronotons, but I guess it's also tachyon related. Can they not detect the Vidians? They seem to come out of fucking nowhere and attack Voyager in this episode. Just like suddenly the ship's just shaking and here he comes like, the Vidians! And it's like, I guess they weren't looking at oh, their sensors. I, my assumption is that when Tuvok got that false ship sensor reading, it was real. But then either Kess hit it, or he just went away to have diarrhea, and nobody manned the station. <laughs> so much man tactical. It's important <laughs> with the Vidians around, in particular. Um. Yeah, yeah, I give it a one. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's a one from me too. Uh, in addition to what you've said, um, being a space-time entity made one person crazy. Um, yeah. the Vidians must have been more organized than the impression we got of them in season one. Because they were able to get all these ships together or yeah, whatever. They have a, a fleet of ships managing this ambush, theoretically. Or they're being chased by two ships at a time instead of just... These weird loners are everywhere trying to get organs. They fucking need those <clears throat> lungs or whatever. Yeah. And um, you're right, though. Voyager does need... Like, they've got faster than light, no left or right. But they need, like... They just need some kind of mnemonic that's like tachyons are for warp speed and gravitons are for cloaked Romulan ships and chronotons sure. are for time travel. Yeah, and terions are for messing up Picard's artificial heart and tetrions are <laughs> weapons that uh, actual races use. And just I'm going to do one more on those last two because I just want to make sure make it clear that this is a mnemonic that says that terions are not the same as tetrions. Just in case terions make the front of Picard's outfit look like terry cloth. <laughs> right, it kind of roughs up the nap. It's it's not they're not that bad. They're not that bad unless you've got an artificial heart. Then they yeah, they're bad if you happen to have a big clunky artificial heart. I think the guy the the dudes. What are the names of the dudes who shot him? Yeah, I'm not looking Shit. it up. Anyway, I think they were confused when he fell over. I thought they thought they'd only mess up his outfit. And then he, like, <laughs> fell over and fucking seized up, and they were like, oh, did we do that? <clears throat> we were just trying to brand you with the mark. <laughs> it wasn't even an attack, turns out. Yeah, so it's a one for me. Okay. <clears throat> Character um, Yeah. <sighs> Uh, Cass is so disgusted by Neelix <laughs> this week, and I fucking get it. Yeah, because we have been used to <clears throat> down on his luck. My sister died, Neelix, etc., for a long time. Yeah, since Cass left, and he is so infantilizing with her. Uh, I mean, she literally shouts in this episode, "I was a child." So, yeah, I think she probably. He, but feels he really victimized. is. He, the way he calls her sweetling and he talks so quiet to her and when he says here comes the airplane right into the hangar yeah. <laughs> trying to get her to eat food and it, it's it's rough yes yeah, um but in real season one Neelix was a jealous jerk yep he was like you're in love with Tom Paris I know now go and back not to the, the doctor, doctor. <laughs> it's right go back and spend a lot of time with the doctor now come back to sick bay do it now! No more Tom Paris for you. <laughs> but nothing else about Kessa's characterization, aside from her disgust for Neelix, is comprehensible, and I don't know that they necessarily even wanted it to be. No. Janeway is somehow in tears about losing Kess again. Maybe just because, you know, now her old friend Kess is a crazy person who uh, shows her boobs and butt to neighbor kids. <laughs> Then that makes that sad. It. That's a sad ending. Maybe that is what, it is what that that scene was all about. She also insists that Tuvok blow out a fucking candle. Even when he says that's not a Vulcan tradition. She's like, well, guess what? Your quarters smell like shit. <laughs> yeah, you thought I wouldn't notice? I always notice. And then she was like, um, but last time you told me that you blew out a candle when Kess left. And this is a Kess episode. So... 
We gotta. There's gotta be symmetry there. Uh, and then um, Tuvok is the kind of guy that will report hallucinations, yep. but to the captain, not to a doctor. <laughs> and yep. only if he thinks they might mean something, I guess. Yeah, no, if they were just like there was a snake in my bed, he probably wasn't going to say shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, not much good here either. I gave it a three. Yeah, uh, let's see. Tuvok's almost 100, like uh, Colin Robinson. <laughs> and... Uh, he has uh, his abilities are Guinan like in this one, but he didn't know we had them, so why should we? You know, because yeah. I got mad. I was like, "Well, what? He's got these powers now." And I was like, "Nah, he didn't know we had them either. It's fine." Um, I think they really said, "Ah, uh, sure, come on back, Jennifer. We'd love to give your character a proper send off." And then they went, "We'll make everybody fucking hate her guts. I'll show this crazy bitch." And then they made an episode where Kess was an insane maniac and tried to murder everybody. Yeah. They, uh... They didn't have a plan. They had to write this one quick when uh, someone asked if she would come back and she said, yeah. There's no plot! (laughs) No. I don't care how fast you have to write it. There should be, like, a story in there. I guess. I guess we are led to believe future Kess fucking hates Voyager for letting her go off and become right something. But I don't know if Ironheart was pissed at Sheridan. <laughs> he came it? back two seasons later and was like, you asshole. Uh, that might have been. That and Sheridan been was like, Claire, was I not even, was I here for that? <laughs> I don't think that was me, Do though. I, think about it for Ivanova. a minute. Before, you can talk to Ivanova. Yeah, think about it for a minute before you get mad at me. I, you seem pretty scary, and I don't think I have anything to do with this. Let me get Ivanova and Garibaldi. Maybe not the Len. She looks different now. That's right. In a way, it wasn't some, her either. I got some people you could talk to. I don't know. It was really hard to track what she was mad about other than that I was just a child stuff, which did make my skin crawl as usual. Um, Past Janeway's mad at Chaco for having sympathy for the Vidians. And then she turns the EMA off, EMH off mid-sentence. So that all tracks. Yep. And then I said, whoa, Ensign Wildman sighting. Did they put her in the past because she really is dead in the present? I'm fucking confused. I didn't she's, even notice uh, Carrie. She's alive, but only in the Dr. Salar sense. Because <laughs> this her is her this? last appearance on the show. I don't understand why they put her in. Why is she in this? They were like, hey, this child actor? Pretty good. The mom actor? Not so no. much. She was but I that, thought she was uh, fine. That shuttle one with uh, when they all thought they were going to die, and I guess they didn't like her in that, even though, again, I also thought she was fine. Like, but you like, know what? This laid the groundwork for uh, she just lives with Neelix now, so. Why? He's good. He's real good with kids. But why did they put her in this episode, though? Uh-huh. And I didn't even notice Carrie, but Carrie's the same thing. Why? Why? why uh, so, do I it? mean, the, there's why no reason it? to put Carrie in this. The, the purpose for putting Samantha Wildman in this episode is... So that we can have something that proves that Tuvok's premonitions are more than just a hallucination. Oh, and that come up is with the another foreknowledge thing. that she's pregnant. Come up with another thing. It's so weird to just put her in after like a season and a half of being totally yeah. absent. And then, as you said, she's never going to be back again. Yeah, I, this I, is literally her last appearance on It made me confused about whether or not she was dead in the in the present. Uh, listen, I me like, too. I, I don't looked understand. it up and she's not. She's yeah. just not dead. And the same with Carrie. 
It's fucking weird. Um, past Schmollis. Well, makes... first of all, the, no one says Carrie in this one. So when I looked at him, I was like, "Is that? Is, is that, that Carrie?" So that's, that's why boy. I went to look it up, and then I discovered he's not dead. I mean, that one really is unbelievable because he is. What did, what happened to him? Did he? Did he get fucking reduced three steps in rank, and now he's? This dude is on the night shift. He's in engineering when Harry Kim's on the bridge. I'm just. That's like show. the only explanation I have is they're like, all right, you're the second most important engineer, so you've got the night shift when I'm asleep. Yeah, I guess nothing ever happens in this show when Carrie's around. It's fucking weird. This show is incomprehensible. Um, Past Schmollis makes a weak objection to giving up confidential medical data and then gossips about it like a little fucking turd. So <laughs> uh, just a two for me. All right. Do you have some quick ones? Unfortunately, uh, I talked about the bad fake out in the teaser. And then I said I paused it at 90 seconds out of boredom and came back to watch again like 30 minutes later. But then I took another break after 12 minutes. So it took me a couple hours to watch this one. <laughs> it's a tough one, huh? <laughs> Fucking Voyager. Uh, those two security goons really refused to light this bitty up. Man, they for sure did. Like, were they, they shot were one those time. Guys really good friends with Cass, and we just never knew about it. <laughs> no, they Cass, were like, I can't, don't. man. That's you Cass. remember me? It's Anson Williams. Come on. I wish, dude, I would have put his name right on my ship roster list, but no. They shoot her once, and she recoils. Yes, and then it has an effect. They refuse to fire again. They do not fire but, one more time. Yeah, they for sure do not crank their phaser rifles up a notch. <laughs> nope. They just like back away from her as she makes menacing faces and then she like blasts them all over the place and just fucking destroy her. Oh my god. It would have worked. We learn later. Yep. Janeway's hand phaser on kill and she didn't put it on like setting 16 or anything. Killed her in one blast. Look, I understand the reaction. You shoot her with the phaser and she only recoils and you go, ooh. Like, yeah. I get that, but that's why you just keep blasting. That's why you but blast the, the shit out of her. But you had that thing on setting four out of 16. Yeah, you turn that thing up to eight and scorch her a little bit, man. Exactly. And I say, oh no, Torres died. Bummer. Wow, such a bummer. And it's definitely final. She Look, Riker need to do it with Utah. Yeah, man, he gave it to her. Right, he just kept cranking Picard's it up. face. Cranking it up. <laughs> Important, right at Picard. As everyone in the room should have been saying... I don't think you, I don't think you have to kill her. I think we can, <laughs> yeah. I don't think she actually. You could probably just keep pushing her back with the phaser. Yeah, it I mean, works. We could probably just capture her. She can be captured, right? Yeah, let's just capture her. But no, you know, it was personal. Um, <clears throat> what, what? Sorry, what? She got poison lipstick or something? You just yeah. put a bag over her head. <laughs> just yeah, just Jack Bauer her a little bit. Be fine. Uh, anyway, so I didn't buy Torres' death, obviously. Um, I'm not trying to be mean, but I always say it when it's the male actors. I always talk about how they got chunky. I think Jennifer Lean put on a few pounds in her time away. That's all I'm saying. I mean, probably she was not acting in the interim. No. Uh, Neelix purposely doesn't hit his comm badge when he's pretending to call security as a joke. Uh-huh. And that actually made a lot of sense, and I appreciated that. He taps his chest like six inches above the combat because he would feel pretty stupid if he accidentally did tap it. Well, it's like if you held your cell phone up and then went boop, 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 and then 
<laughs> to do what they call someone. you wouldn't dial your phone no. <laughs> you accidentally facetime marjan's parents or something and then you're really <laughs> in it and then she hears you say fucking something terrible from i think you should leave yeah no. you're just like i just want to know if any of these <laughs> fuckers <laughs> through the wall come shot um I thought of something earlier that I was going to use as an example of what it's like to live with your in-law because Marjan's mom you lived spent with a us. week doing it. Marjan's mom lived with us for two months and then we just oh, lived, yeah, yeah. lived with them for a week. I can't remember what I was going to say, but it, yeah, I'm just always, I was afraid the whole time that in a moment, but I thought I was alone that I would say something absolutely horrifying because I do that a lot. And I can't remember the example I was going to use. Anyway, um, yeah, so I thought that was a good touch that he purposely avoids his uh, his combat there. Uh, and that's it. That's all the quick hitters I got. What about you? Uh, can Tuvok be under 100? That seems young for someone who was in Starfleet during Star Trek VI. Uh, yeah, it does. He, but I know that was... He was, like, really young, though, right, in that? So maybe... Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was a commissioned 100. officer. Under a hundred. Hmm. Maybe I thought maybe he's ninety nine for the thirtieth time or something, and that's what oh, Janeway's doing there with that about to turn big three digits. Yeah, like he's a kooky mom. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise I don't think that could make sense. Again. I'm not proud of this, but I did write in my notes. Fuck man, Neelix treated Kess like an actual baby when he wasn't blasting in her hair. <laughs> That's why I skip it short. It's unnecessary. Uh, this computer navigation approach does not sound like it should be noteworthy. Like, in the normal course of operations, are they giving Tom Paris a sextant and a map and telling him to figure it out? <laughs> but then everybody does just rattle off the coordinates of everything all the time in Star Trek. Usually completely nonsensical coordinates. Picard just walks out there and says, set course... Uh, heading 105, Mark 93, Mark 8, and you're like, okay. How do you know uh, that? That's so specific. They, Hold on. I didn't see him look that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you think in battle, in the, in combat, he'd be like, come about, uh, heading, and then he, <laughs> he just names off a bunch of coordinates. You're like, you're just making it up, man. Um, uh, then re- but regarding the one, there was definitely an episode where he said the, the heading was like f- uh, 410 dot Something, yeah. something. We were like, wait, so like, they gotta do an it. unnecessary spin first? Like Eric Chavez manning third base? Oh, is it not? Do they not do degrees? Is it thousands of a circle for some reason? <laughs> it's fucking stupid. Uh, I guess the phasers in the past worked a little better, huh? Or maybe Janeway had phaser two, but the security guards that got wiped in the intro only had phaser one. Phaser rifle one. <laughs> yeah. It's got all the power of phaser one, but you can hold it better. Well, you know, the main difference is you could take a lot more shots with it and it's easier to aim. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Janeway and Tuvok and Kess never explained to anyone what happened with that Vidian attack mm-hmm. for five seasons. Uh, you know, and even no. though it's all resolved now, they're never going to. The characters in the show have as much curiosity as the actors. No one asked. Everyone just went, glad that Vidian thing's over. And that was it. 
Uh, this episode has no captain's logs, does it? Uh, I it doesn't start any. with a captain's log. It doesn't end with a captain's log. I was going to say it's like Janeway and T- Tuvok decided to delete their personal logs at the end of this. <laughs> but like a certain other them. episode? Like in a certain other episode. Yeah. Uh, for best actor, I was not feeling good about this episode, so I wrote Seven of Nine and the Borg Buddies. They just stood in their alcoves and didn't say or do anything crazy. Yeah. And Fucking worst maybe. actor, Creepy Neelix, man. <laughs> when, she, when he's just like, dissatisfied oh, with his oh, character. No, to Neelix to security. Uh. Fuck you, bud. <laughs> hey. Hey, you're fucking her, man. Don't do this. I know. I know. I know she's one, and you know she's one. Like, we all get it, but like. Yeah, but we're all supposed to believe that in universe it's cool because she's a full adult. But well, you're they not always treating say her it. like one. They all said it was cool until this episode when Kess said it wasn't cool. And no one ever said, like, so I get that you're physically an adult. But, like, you still only had one year well, of life experience. Let's, let's circle back to that in Elogium. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But how are you able to become emotionally mature in a year? I mean, it's kind of impressive you can do anything. Like, read or yeah. write or whatever. Yeah. But, like, yeah, we're supposed to believe you are emotionally, you've had the life experience needed to be a mature adult and consent to a relationship with that uh, trash monster. Uh, Voyager, man. Again, they had the character say it out loud this week. I was a child. So. Well, I got to 14 points. <laughs> so, it's really, close. basically, no worse than Muse and better than Live Fast and Prosper. On the I rubric. mean, that one was. Although I would watch Live stink. Fast and Prosper 50 more times <laughs> before yeah, I would watch Fury one. again. Yeah. I think that's true. Uh, oh, At least that one had that Tuvok. Fake Janeway and uh, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis Tuvok? Yeah, give me those guys. <laughs> I actually hope they come back. I want to see them again. Scored better than Spirit Folk. Okay, I mean, Scored better fair. than Virtuoso. I mean, that one sucked for sure. Scored better than Alice. Scored oh, equally God. to Tinker Tenor Doctor Spy. Dude, Alice was... That was a bad one. Better than Equinox Part 2. <laughs> Same so as 1159. <laughs> Better than what? Someone to Watch Over Me. Voyager's so bad that this horrible score is just right Better there than Bride in, of Chaotica. In company with all of these other Voyager episodes. Better than... Uh, oh, sorry. That's uh, Enterprise. That's not fair. Uh, better than Demon. What? That was such a good episode. <laughs> better than Living Witness, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> Better than Waking Moments, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, right. uh, you came in. First of all, you hated this episode. I really did. And I did you, not like it. You came in giving the rare spoiler that this one, better than Revulsion, uh, the rare spoiler that this one was going to suck. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, honestly, did it not 14, suck? Oh, no, it sucked real bad. It, sucked. it just scored better than before and after. It scored better than Favorite Son. Yeah, it didn't get no-taked and uh, shit like that. So it scored better than Darkling, and it oh, scored better than where Coda. He, where he Mr. hyde it up or whatever? Yep, yeah, that's the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Scored better than Warlord. Uh, you gotta look out for those Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Kess was a horny Sometimes, dictator? Yes, it was. <laughs> Kess was taken over by a horny dictator in Warlord. Yeah, that's correct. 
listen, you got to be careful about these Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde's out there. Sometimes you catch them in their uh, Dr. Jekyll form and you don't know it. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. yeah. That's a, I'm glad someone finally told me about that. Every time Dalton Wilcox says that uh, he ran into a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. <laughs> Hyde and had to, had to put him down... He always says, I mean, of course, he wasn't he Mr. Isn't. Hyde at the time, <laughs> that's but that's wrong. Mr. Hyde's the monster. Dr. Jekyll's not the monster. Anyway, <laughs> he's wrong about that, uh, but it is funny every time he runs into an invisible man, but, yep. you know, he's not in his invisible the- form. It's a, he's a werewolf, but he was in human form. <laughs> right. All <laughs> of the people that he has killed. Uh, yeah. It is a good running joke, for sure. <clears throat> I'm, tw- I'm 20-something episodes in. I don't remember what number the last one was. Yeah, it's like a, I think it was a twenty-four, but it was wrong somehow. Yeah, that could be. Or the notes for it were wrong. The notes that it was going to be the one where Paul F. Tompkins is Varner Hurt Varner Oh, I don't even. Read but instead, notes. it was something else. Yeah. It was a good episode though. Uh, yeah. So anyway, what I'm saying is, we hated this episode, but honestly, fourteen's not even that bad for Voyager. Well, we often hate Voyager too, so. I've, had, I've felt this many times. How many times have we said to each other off air that we needed to quit the show because of the Voyager episode we were watching? So I mean, it's usually Voyager that makes me say that. Yeah. All right, what uh, else did we watch? Surely we watched something se- better than this. Well, second place last week was The Next Generation. Hmm. This week we watched Birthright Part 1. <laughs> The Enterprise goes to Deep Space Nine. It's a fucking crossover. Finally. To help restore the damaged Bajoran aqueduct systems. They send the flagship of the Federation. Yeah. With no civilian help. Well, don't worry. Picard is mad about it the way Kirk used to be when someone asked him to do shit. Uh, first, everyone does a little tour of the new DS9 sets. Beverly talks about what she's going to do on the Hollow Suites. Jordy and Worf go to the Replimat. Can you help me with Worf... this? Is it because it was shot? Is it because this one's been put into HD and DS9 never was? That it, it you can recognize the DS9 sets, but it still looks like it's filmed differently? Like it's It looks I like TNG? A, I guess 100% what it was. They went okay. over to the sets, but it was the normal TNG film crew shooting on film which is why it's in hd okay because i was like uh yeah i mean that is ds9 but it just looks looks like tng still yeah that's exactly what it was okay. uh the jordan wharf go to the replimat where they get to repeat the wharf's old joke he loves nasty food yeah. if the food tastes nasty he's fucking into it yeah jordy's very upset about it but wharf's into it <clears throat> when jordy steps away to go get a jum stick or something the worst-looking alien we've seen yet on TNG stares at Worf from the upper deck. This dude looks—is <laughs> it because it's a—it's like a little hairy rat, but it's like nine feet tall? Yes, the dude is a <laughs> naked mole rat, basically, uh, which is an, a real animal that looks a lot like a nutsack. Uh huh. Yep. Like a an animated moving nutsack. Yeah, sure. that's this guy that's uh, eyeballing Worf from the upper deck. Meanwhile, back on the ship, Data gets an alert about a power drain. Someone is breaking into the systems in sickbay, and the response, since uh, Picard and Worf aren't around, I guess, is, eh, Data, go look into that. This would have been the best time to call for security and have Dr. Crusher show up. At least it's in sickbay, but she's on DS9. <laughs> she's on Deep Space Nine. So she couldn't do it. Most of the regulars are not on the ship at this point. Yeah. 
uh, Data goes on down there, and sure enough, it's the only crossover character of the episode, Bashir. Yeah. It's kind of like how in the uh, Voyager DS9 crossover, they just had Quark, right? Yep. Yep, yep. Also, Quark will later uh, put in a call on TNG. Yeah. Yes, um, in a very different episode. Right. Uh, Bashir's got some kind of strange device from the Gamma Quadrant that he hopes is a medical scanner, but which he has brought on board to, uh, because, you know, uh, season one, Deep Space Nine, you couldn't do nothing there. Yeah, the Cardi, it was the full Cardi's, of Cardassian voles and everything. Yeah, the Cardi's uh, computers weren't that good anyway, and then they left them all messed up, so. Yeah. Um, Data, after he figures out who this guy is, Data agrees to help him study this device down in engineering. Back on Deep Space Nine, the Ballsack alien approaches Worf and tells him he has information about his father to sell. And, oh, by the way, Moog, or as he pronounces it, Mog, is still alive. (laughs) What does he know, man? He also says Scon. That's just this guy. (laughs) That's just Shrek, man. Yeah, credits. Uh, Jaglom Shrek, which is this guy's name, (laughs) tells Worf not all the Klingons that Kittimer were killed. And he knows where the Romulans took the survivors, and that's the information he's trying to sell. Mm. But Worf ain't buying. In fact, he threatens to kill him for telling lies. Obviously, the Honorable Moog would never allow himself to be captured. Then he goes back to the bridge of the Enterprise to crawl up everyone's butt. Yeah. He yells at some guy about uh, not putting the list in the right order, like that wouldn't be something you could fucking sort on a pad in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't just go to the column that you want to order it by. Yeah, writing. you can't just sort it A to Z and then <laughs> see it, the priority order or whatever. No, uh, he yells at Riker when Riker asks him to do his goddamn job and send a message. And then he goes to his quarters to do angry, violent Tai Chi. Yeah. Troy comes in just as he busts a glass tabletop to ask uh, what the hell's going on. And he tells her, listen, if Moog is alive... The dishonor from his capture would trickle down even to Alexander, who is not in this episode. And uh, as as far as we know, um, I don't know, never going to be in this fucking show again, it seems. Where is he? Unclear. Who knows? Worf never knows. She subtly accuses him of being afraid of the truth and walks out. Meanwhile, Data plugs Bashir's unknown device, found in the Gamma Quadrant, directly into the warp core. It's wild. Like, right into an XLR <laughs> socket that we've never seen before, right on, literally on the side of the dilithium chamber. That's how he's going to get some energy into this device. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's a choice. Uh, again, why take anything to engineering at all? Just uh, fucking do your scan and data stupid dumb fucking lab. <clears throat> yeah, take whatever. it up to the LOL room where they worked on Picard when he was a Borg. Mm-hmm. Study it in no. there. No, you're right. Not only bring it to engineering, plug it right into the warp core. That's what you Plug do. it directly into the warp core. Jordy's standing right there and doesn't say, hey, don't do that. <laughs> uh, Bashir's a little distracted by all of Data's little quirks. The fact that he's got hair, you know, um, his breathing, his pulse. I guess no one's ever asked Data this kind of thing before, <laughs> except when Tashiar asked him if it got hard and if he made cummies. <laughs> God, I hope that's not what she said. Well, anyway. This fucking device lasers data straight to Android hell. I don't even mind if she asked him whether or not he can jizz, but I really hope she didn't ask him if he can make cummies. 
I don't know, man. She was pretty young when she got out of Turkana 4. I know she was messed up by the rape gangs and everything that happened there, but fucking God. They didn't get her, but they got one or two cats. <laughs> it's not safe for you. Every time she says, every time I watch that episode, she says, go, it's not safe for you here. I just lose it. <laughs> they raping all the cats up here. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, anyway, if this device had been pointed the other way, it would have blown up the whole ship. Because as soon as they turn it on, it lasers Data right in the chest. Yep. We zoom in on Data's face. And then we're following him through a boring Buster Rhymes music video. Ugh. He walks through the corridors of the Enterprise until he finds his dad as a young man, dressed like a Qing Dynasty Mandarin for some reason, Damn. swinging a one-pound hammer against a 20-pound anvil. Well, music plays that's like, what if the Windows startup sound was a whole song? Yep. Yeah. Then Jordy wakes him up and tells him he was legally dead for 30 seconds. And he explains that he remembers those 30 seconds, though. Yeah. You, so therefore, you're wrong. Yeah. This is his opinion. They can't figure out what that was all about until Bashir says, that's a dream, my man. <laughs> and uh, Data says... Hey, the farmer who found me on a bombed out planet said that I can't dream, but thanks for playing. <laughs> nice try, though. Way to try to get me. I'm not gullible yeah. like that. I'm not falling for that. First guy I ever met told me I can't do that, so. Cletus said I can't dream. That's right. Uh, then Data goes to 10 forward. He sees Worf in there, and he says, hey, this has never been mentioned before. But I heard you had a vision once. Yes. I know we have to have a scene together. It's very important that we have an overlapping scene and we need to have it together. So please sit down and have this conversation with me. (laughs) Yes. I know. I'll make it quick and painless. We'll go real fast and then we can both get out and get back to our (laughs) respective plots. But we have to do this. Tell me about your vision. And he's doing this thing with his hands. And Worf goes, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, 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 you're right. Yeah, I had one of those. I know that I could probably talk to Picard, who last <laughs> week, literally last <laughs> week, got shot in the chest and yeah. then had a near-death experience hallucination that yes. may- maybe was real, maybe was real. <laughs> and who also door, once was not. zapped by a probe and lived a whole life. And also, uh, I talked about the whole life he lived at a probe this one time. But because this is our week to come to terms with our long-lost daddies, I have to have this conversation with you. So please sit down and do it with me, please. And Worf tells him, Oh, man. Visions about your absent dad are like, that's the dream. That's the one you want to (laughs) have. Listen, learning about your dad teaches you about yourself i'm not going to repeat it word for word but he eventually says no matter what your daddy has done you must find him bro 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 and data says how could you repeat all of those words he talks for like nine paragraphs as the camera slowly zooms and pans around him (laughs) it's crazy what they did in this scene (laughs) and yeah wharf is the one with a big epiphany yeah at the end he says no matter what your daddy's done you must find him and data says what (laughs) <laughs> I didn't say anything about it. Data literally says, I'm not trying to find my dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And then he leaves and I presume makes a little note in one of his uh, database subheadings about not asking Worf about stuff anymore. Yeah, that went bad. That was much worse than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be bad. It was worse. 
I really right. hesitated going to Worf because I thought it was going to be pretty bad. Worf talked himself into an epiphany, and he Ugh. goes to back to find the Uridian Jaglom Shrek <laughs> to tell him he wants to go to the Romulan prison camp. Also, by the way, uh, you got to take me there. And um, if, by the way, I also will dump you off the promenade upper deck Keiko style if you don't. <laughs> yeah, so. I know everyone's looking at me, and I'm a Starfleet officer, but that does not trouble me at all for some reason. It's weird that Odo will never mention this in the future, that time I dangled <laughs> a dude off the promenade. <laughs> don't even remember the first time we met? I had to put you in a holding cell because you threatened to throw Jagalum Shrek off the promenade. You remember I compared you to Shug Knight? <laughs> <laughs> you claimed not to know who that was, but I know anyone who spent any time on Earth would know about Shook Knight. <laughs> I know you've seen his statue in Reykjavik for some reason. <laughs> they head off in a shuttle. Uh, Worf's going to have to hike through the jungle to get to the prison camp. Jagalom Shrek doesn't explain why he's doing any of this. Worf seems confused by it, but he, I mean, he's taking him there, so whatever. Yeah. Data goes to see Picard, who tells him, well, first Data says, listen, I've read all the Bibles, yeah, yeah. and I can't make any sense of what I saw. And Picard One time says, I got no, really no, no, embarrassed because no, no, no. I read the, the fucking Christian Bible in a Muslim church. Or the other way around? <laughs> I don't know where around, though. There it goes. What is in a Muslim church? What? The lyric is in a Muslim church. Okay, yeah. So he's reading the Christian yeah. Bible in a Muslim church. This is a, a Skilo reference. Yes. Is that from Superman? That's Superman. <laughs> Superman. That's a good song. <laughs> um, <laughs> Picard says you need to A, look inward, and B, let it inspire you. Yes. Uh, it's He's working on something. Lately, when people have come into his office to ask him bullshit fucking questions like this, he hasn't had like a prepared answer, and he gets sucked into these conversations. <laughs> so now he's got a little index card sitting there on his desk. <laughs> With some bullshit answers he can give when someone does this. So he came in and he's like, oh, I'm having dreams about my dad. What does it mean? And Picard just looked at note number one and just said, inspire you. And so we just fucking yelled that at him and waited for him to leave. Yeah. And then uh, Picard goes back to looking at sixth grade textbook pictures of gothic arches and stuff because he's, he's learning about aqueducts. <laughs> he's um, so mad about it. He complains in every scene that he has to do this. Yep. Uh, Data takes his advice and goes to his room to do some figurative paintings of his dream. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, Worf and Shrek split up on the planet. Shrek says, listen, I'll be back in 50 hours. Here's a homing beacon so you can find me. Follow the riverbank to the camp, etc. But he, but also, he doesn't say whether to go upstream or downstream. I hope Worf remembers which direction is southeast. Yeah. Uh, Worf gets uh, tired and starts drinking from a canteen. Um, but he hears some splashing, and mm. ooh, ooh, there's a naked lady bathing in the river. Ooh. Now, hot. he's made his way through this jungle just fine. No needle snakes or nothing, but he does lean out from the tree to peer at her a little bit, and oh, he yeah. steps on a twig. Oh, no. <laughs> she thinks it's just creepy old talk. It's just talk. Yeah, talk being talk. Uh, he loves to watch her bathe in the river until she spots Worf, and then she makes a break for it. But he catches her immediately mm. and says, listen, I've come to help you. You need to take me to the camp. I know this is like a bad, this was, I should have said this part first. I should have like coughed loudly and then looked away so that you knew I was here. But now that I've been caught peeping at your nakedness, 
I should have said, now oh, I love walking you, I... backwards. I'm going to keep <laughs> walking backwards till I hit some water. But now that I've been caught observing you bathing naked, now let me tell you, I'm here to help you. Yeah. And but this don't is worry, a I'm here to take, to take everybody home. And she says, uh, this is my home. And then someone calls out Bile and Worf says, listen, don't tell nobody you saw me. And I guess she doesn't. That's that's the craziest part that she yeah. didn't say. There's a fucking, I swear to God, there is a fucking Taliban terrorist in those bushes <laughs> as I speak. Because <laughs> there's no way that guy would not have been reported. Oh, yeah. In real life. <clears throat> um, he sees her talk to a Romulan guard and... Um, she follows that guy off to because the ceremony's about to begin or whatever. Mm. Meanwhile, Jordy comes to Data's quarters to see why he's fucking running late because Data has really let this shit get to him. Mm. And his room is fucking full of paintings. Uh, Data walks Jordy through them. There's a blacksmith, the corridor, the anvil, Doctor Soong, and then some shit that we didn't see in the division and the vision, and neither did he. Some bird stuff. Uh, smoke, a bird's wing, a blackbird, a flock of birds, a feather. None of that shit was in the dream, and he's confused. And, um, you know, now that you're here, Jordy, I want to play Flatliners. <laughs> Let's do Flatliners so I can get back in that dream. Yeah. And Jordy says, yeah. okay, Data, I will goes, kill you I don't again. think that's a good idea, Data. And Data goes, but please, though? And Jordy goes, well, I have learned on this uh-huh. ship that a good friend will help their friend die. So, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it for you, Data. I'll kill you. Jordy goes get Bashir, to get Bashir, and then they hook everything up to the warp core again, <laughs> even though they know it's going to explode. <laughs> and they fry Data. It's, it's honestly pretty good. The facts of it are very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. In this dream... He walks down the corridor towards the sound of the hammer. He watches his dad quench a r- actual raven's wing. And then the bird itself flies away. And then suddenly he's on the bridge and his very theatrical papa's there. I mean, some people and call he it tells the bridge. Him, Sorry? He, he said some people call it the bridge in this Oh, scene. you may call it the deck of the Enterprise. He happens to call it the deck <laughs> of the Enterprise. You may not want to be specific about which deck you're on. <laughs> I'm on the deck of the Enterprise. Well... <laughs> Just- there's yeah. so many things in this. It's like the Voyager episode. There's so many things in this that just reek of terrible production in this episode. I saw so many things in this where I was like, why? Why'd you do that? Uh, his dad tells him he's unlocked his super secret dream program, and now he's really fucking alive. And oh, also, by the way, Data, you're the bird. And now Data flies mm. out through the corridor and into space. Yes, 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 yes. He, uh, he wakes up in engineering and explains everything to Bashir. Uh, he didn't actually activate the dream circuits the way his dad intended him to. He just got zapped by a fucking Jem'Hadar mortar or something that Bashir brought home. But now he's going to dream every night like a real boy anyway. Yeah. Uh, Worf has reached the prison camp. He peers over the walls. He lets himself in. He hears some Klingons singing. A pretty good song. And, uh... You know, he skulks around, hides from Romulan guards as he makes his way to where the singing is. He sees, like, ten Klingons of various ages sitting around a table looking pretty bored, honestly. Yeah, it does not look like a cool party. The singer walks away like he was not invited to stay. (laughs) And Worf (laughs) sneaks up and collars him. 
And he tells this guy, listen, I'm Worf, son of Moog. I'm here to find my dad. And the guy immediately is like, oh, your dad died, man. Yeah, no, nah, he ain't here, man. He ain't uh, here. You got some bad information. Worf's like, oh, okay. Well, it sucks that the Romulans <laughs> did this to you, but um, uh, listen, we got to get everyone together. We got to get out of here. And the guy's like, listen, man, there are things you don't understand. And then he shouts one word, uh, and then he starts telling Worf a story about taking him camping when he was a boy. Mm. Then, uh, Worf's not suspicious at all. One of Moog's many retainers, man. Yes, he also tells him he should not have come. And then when the other Klingons show up, he tells him, also, we cannot let you leave. And then the Romulans come and draw down on him, and he says, we're not leaving here, and neither are you, to be continued. Mm, it's weird when he said the to be continued part. I thought, it is oh, weird. man, they just let him read that right <laughs> up the script, and no one said anything. I thought it was weird when he said to be continued, this part, not the part about the dreams. Don't worry about <laughs> that's, that. That's, that's done. We're done with that now. Matthew. Are you interpreting all the symbols? Searching yeah, your subconscious it every for time. Jeez. Oh, um, Chaco really puts me on the spot. I get nervous when he says that stuff. Um, dreams. <clears throat> dreams can be important because they can inspire you to really search within and find true true meaning where there was none. Maybe. Uh, like Data really worked at it after his dream of his dad, and he fucking he leveled up. He's a real human now. Uh-huh. He's got new powers and shit. And Worf told Data about how a vision of your papa is the best vision. So yeah, there's really not much happening here. <laughs> it's just not a lot. Dreams uh, are cool. It's a one. Okay. Well, I went for the other side of the okay. episode. Uh, so I think one message you can take from this is that part of growing up, individualizing, self-actualizing, whatever, is coming to terms with your parents as actual people instead of as archetypes. Yeah. But honestly, they don't get too deep into it. No, because, I mean... He hears one thing about how his dad was captured, and he's like, that's bullshit. My dad's not a coward. And then he, like, has that shitty conversation with Data where he's like, actually, even if my dad is a shitty coward, I should probably go save his life. And you don't really get to have that journey with him. He just says it all out loud in front of the camera like like he just <laughs> thought of it, and then that's it, and then he's off. So I, I was know. waiting for him to say birthright. <laughs> I know. Like, it was really a ghost ship speech that he gave <laughs> yep um it's probably true but i think that this framing is useful for people like data and wharf who didn't have continuous adult relationships with their parents because mm-hmm. like if you grew up with your dad this just happened along the way but yep. since these two didn't it has to be a big event or a quest or whatever to come to oh, terms yeah. with their dad I think that's the part that's most exciting for him. He does think he's about to go on a fucking awesome quest. He does. Um, it's also completely gender framed in a way that it might not be today. Yeah. But like, uh, like Data didn't have a mother, so whatever. But Worf did, and thank she's you. never been mentioned. Oh, thank you. We don't know her name. Get out of Marjan's notes. 
<laughs> and uh, everything that Worf says about having a vision of your father suggests that he doesn't think his mother was particularly important. Nope. Right. I know in the first scenes, he says, my parents were killed at Kitomer or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, she is a- completely absent from yes. his backstory in a way that is frankly shocking. Yeah, I know. I have here in the quick hitters, Marjan's note. What about Worf's mom? Anybody ever mention her? We nope. know she's dead. No one's ever mentioned her, though. No, you know who we have seen? His fucking nurse. Yeah, that's right. We saw her. Um, and we've seen, uh, over time, we will see like 50 of Moog's retainers, but we will never uh-huh. hear about his mom at all. Uh, so fine. You got to come to terms with your dad. All right. Whatever. That's three is generous, but that's yep. what I'm giving it. In terms of execution. Yes. A lot of the work this week was clumsy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I called out, we talked, we called it out for a continuous three minutes. Data going to talk to Worf about a vision we've never heard of before so that they can have dad chat. But of course, in that same scene, Worf realizes he's talking about his own issues. It's not clever. And the big saving grace of that scene is at the end when Data pulls him up and says, I'm not trying to find my dad. Yeah, thanks for nothing, though. Thanks, but no thanks. There's just like, there's a better version of this episode where Whoopi Goldberg was available for filming, mm, and she yeah. convinces Worf he needs to find out the truth about Moog, and Data yeah. goes right to Picard for the dream advice. Yeah, but it did seem like Picard was ready with that, but no matter what the question was. <laughs> I swear true. to God, man. If someone else had come in there and asked a different question, he would have said, let it inspire you! And then right Yeah, because he was doing something laptop. really boring that he hated, and he wished he could be creative. <laughs> so that's why he's telling everybody to get inspired that day. That's right. Like, hey, I have to be here doing this, but you should be painting. That's right. Take your own advice, man. Well, he, he can't for reasons I'll talk about, I think, in my quick hitters. Okay. Oh, no, it's in my characterization. Anyway, uh, the what is Jaglum Shrek's deal angle is not one I remembered from this. Oh, and yeah. I worry we're not going to get an answer. I swear to God, I, I could be wrong. My memory of it is that guy ain't even in the next part. He like, might not be. If he's in it, I don't think we ever learn what his mysterious secret is. Worf's like, what's your motivation in this? And he's like, mm, don't worry about it, man. And you're like, wait a minute. Why do we have to worry about his secret motivation? I am sure that does not pay off. Uh, and then uh, Worf peeping on a teenager is, we know, just prelude to the real trouble that starts next week. Like, look, the thing that happened this week, not really his fault. Okay, now, do we know... Okay, so how many years ago was Kidimer? Oh, do you want to know how old Worf is? I want to know how old the lady, the Biel is. Oh, well, that is a good question. That's what I'm trying to... I was like, do we have... What's the evidence? What I think in our memories, it's always that she's a teenager, and I assume it's because we worked it out in some way, but I didn't... Well, that I don't would know set if they just upper say, bound on her age, right? I, I Yeah, because I think she says... She, well, she's obviously born there because she's half Romulan, so... She, she wasn't born uh, on Kittimer. She's born on this planet, right? So Yeah, on this prison planet. Okay, so 2346 is the attack on Kittimer. Okay. This show takes place in the middle of 2369. So she could not be older years. than 23. Right. Probably, she probably couldn't be older than 22. Yeah. But, I don't know, man. 
Alexander's is three, <laughs> and he looks like he's twelve. So she might yeah. only be five. We don't know. I know. I know. I know. I, I'm just saying. I was looking. Well, at for actually, everyone's... hang on. We saw Alexander looking about fifteen in Deep Space Nine season six. Uh, we did the math at that point. He was like twenty three seventy four. And he, he was, was conceived in season two. Conceived in season two, which was 2365. So she could be seven. <laughs> no, no, I understand that. What I'm saying yeah. is I was going to look for evidence, but she was barely in this episode. So I'll be looking next week well, for so evidence in the, the script. He ain't done nothing so far this week, except he saw her naked and that was an accident. It was, but he he, he definitely leered. It's next week. It's going to be bad times. Yeah. <laughs> next week gets rough. Next week it's rough. Um, and look, man, this is a lot of dreaming and a lot of the message that dreams are important and meaningful and you should definitely <laughs> dive into them. And that's not so good. Yeah, man. So Even fucking get zapped in the chest again just to get another good dream. Uh, <clears throat> this is going to be a two out of me. Yeah. Yep. It's such a weird, sloppy episode to watch. It feels like they filmed two full episodes and then had to whittle it down, and some of it makes no sense. It makes me shout, what? Why? At my TV at home. The data stuff is wrapped up by the end of the episode, it seems. he's. Uh, it's wrapped up ten minutes before the end of the episode, honestly. He's learned that he can do dreams now, and his dream papa told him that he's a real boy. Yes. Aside from making the character of Data feel good, I have no idea what to think about that plot. Um, I will assume, like, if I was just watching this for, for the first time, I'd assume we'd never see him dream again. Yes. But that was a thing he did once so that he would learn to be a real boy or whatever. And I wish that was a correct assumption. <laughs> um, the wharf side would be slightly more interesting, though the dumb scene where he stares ahead and discovers on the spot in that conversation with Data... That he but needs actually, to know. He does need to know the truth about his dad. If his dad is sadly waiting for death like Clags, is very hack. What is the Uridian up to? No idea at the end of part one. Spoiler alert, I don't think we ever find out. It's a very weird episode. I give it three points. The dude was just trying to make 50 bucks. It could be his, his secret motivation he was too ashamed to say. They put him in the sloppiest outfit. I wouldn't be surprised if he was trying to make a few slips and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but And they, by the way, he's definitely out money on this. Yeah. yeah. Well, once Worf, you know, did all the murder threatening, he was fucked on this one. The, seriously, the outfit he's in is like stains all over it and it looks kind of scuffed and everything. They literally gave him a trash outfit to wear. What about world building? Yeah. Um, I don't know what she said. Altor 7 massage therapy hollow suite program. Oh, yeah. With the chromal fog that's going to carry her off. Chromal vapor. Sorry. She says it differently than Picard says it, even though it's the same (laughs) scene. But it's. Yeah, it's the first scene where Picard's complaining about having to do work. Um, Enterprise is at DS9 to help Bajor with some fucking water business that Picard doesn't want to think about. Bashir's working on some mysterious alien device. I hope it's the alien healing device from Babylon 5. I hope they just took uh, it no right out of the luck. Bible. Uh, 
Maybe some Klingons were put in a big prison camp after Kidmer. Worf does find the camp, but all is not as it seems, but it's a to-be-continued, so who knows. Uh, Data's hair grows, and he breathes, but he only breathes to keep his CPU cool, and he has a pulse, too, but that's only the <laughs> blah, 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 blah. He so has hydraulics. It's so boring. For when he's, um, you know, hitting switches. They, <laughs> they, um, they make him seem bored explaining it. I don't know how I'm supposed to be excited about these facts at home. Uh, the right of Majka. That's the those heat-induced hallucinations that Worf, I guess, did. Data learns how to be the first crayon.ai <laughs> with all his dumb bird paintings. And then that fucking one he called Draymond Green eats at a Friendly's restaurant. Why was that in there? His vo- his vision of Soong tells him that he fucking did it. He's a man now. And the I guess the credits roll. That's the it. You did it. You won the game. So I guess we don't have to ever worry about Data and whether he's a person again, right? Now that his dad I mean, told him he is? I mean, we're going to talk about it for a long time, but yes. Uh, I gave it a three. Oh, boy. I did not give it a three. Bajoran infrastructure repair. Another Klingon field trip Worf went on as a kid where he was just (laughs) sent back to the Federation afterwards, even though he's a prince. It's really wild. It's more wild the more we do this project. How his backstory makes no fucking sense. There's just no no indication that he went there under a false name. Nope. That his mom said, don't tell them you're the son of Moog. But he did. He went and walked around saying all over the place that he was Worf's son of Moog. You know he did. Yep. And they were just like, all right, I guess. Hey, why is he in the Fed? You know what? Just send him back. Just send him back. Um, All of our families are more powerful now that his family is gone. So just <laughs> Exactly. But then why don't they kill him? It don't make no sense. Uh, yeah, so I have this. For world building, I have this is not much and nothing good. It's, uh... Characterization. Okay. We get young, irreverent, curious Bashir back for a little cameo in this one. Yep, just again, to be the token DS9er. Uh, Picard is on another very odd mission for a naval captain. And Mm -hmm. is it because he's bored that he wants to encourage Data to be inspired and creative? And like... We know he hasn't painted since Data called his style inappropriate on Naked Lady Day. Maybe he feels stifled. <laughs> he did find it inappropriate. Worf is still very, very worried about what what people will think about him because of his daddy. And I get that that's all in there deep for him, but it sure seems like he hasn't learned anything from any of the many previous episodes about it. Nope. Um... Characterization I did not think was the weak point of this episode. I gave it a four, but it's, you know, they didn't do anything great either. Yeah, I agreed it's a four. Uh, Worf is a garbage disposal, which we learned in the Owan Eggs episode. Yes. His dad might be a living disgrace. And he takes that fact out on Ensign Lopez, who definitely sucks, but still. Yeah. And then Worf looks at these old creeps in the end. Like, he can't believe they're even trying to put hands on him. And he uses his fucking kung fu to defeat them with a feather touch. Did you see that shit? Yes. 
He gave them such a disdainful look, like a kung fu master would, and then just barely even moved, and both those dudes were like, and, like, fell over. Yeah. It's weird. When we later see 200-year-old Klingons, they will not be that feeble. Nope. Uh, anyway, I, I guess... I think we have to assume none of these guys was a core, you know? No, there's no, no Dahar masters among there's these There's no Dahar masters here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... I guess he learns his dad's important to him, even if he is a fucking disgrace. And then we do learn at the end that he's not, but still. Um, yep. You know, you know, Star Trek can never actually uh, make any of the characters face any real situations or consequences or decisions. No, it, it always has, always to, has be to be away. subverted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Bashir thinks Data is just some albino or something. He walks <laughs> in and he's like, hey, man, what are you doing here? And he's like, uh, what, who the fuck are you, Commander? And he's like, Data. And he's like, oh, shit, you're the robot. What did he think he was? Doesn't matter. He thought he was French. Maybe he thought he was, uh... Or South Andorian. American. Or something. Or an No, Iceman. what was it? Was when, um, when that other lady, the valedictorian, thought that Bashir oh. was an Andorian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Named Julian Bashir. Despite his name being Julian Bashir. Anyway, um, Troy lacks tact and just bitches her way into this conversation with Worf. But maybe she thinks that'll work on the Chinese better. I mean Klingons. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe she's like, you know what? They tailored my uniform a little tight, and I'm mad. Why does <laughs> it have to mood. be so tight? Yeah, you know what? You were in a bad mood and you took it out on Instant Lopez. I'm in a bad mood. I'm taking it out on you, Worf. Yeah, I get to now wear you the know uniform now, but... Huh, weird how form-fitting it is, huh? <laughs> now you know how it feels, by the way, and that's called counseling. Eat it. They don't put, they don't put Michelle Forbes in a uniform this tight. <laughs> uh, if you zap Data's brain just right, he has weird dreams. Join the club, man. Um, I mean, for sure. Again, he is told and seems to believe that he's a real person now, so that's cool. Uh, quick hitters. Someone thought they were really cool playing a bar of the Deep Space Nine theme and then a bar of the TNG theme once the Enterprise rolled into view in this opening shot where it's docked at Deep Space Nine. <laughs> that dude was probably like, did you guys hear what I did? And everyone was like, I guess, man, the Deep Space Nine theme is brand new. No one knows what it is yet. <laughs> yeah, no, no one's going to care about that. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe if they even ever do reruns of this episode. Uh, Worf's attitude in the replimat scene suggests to me that this isn't the first time someone's come to get in his face about Moog. Mm. Everybody knew this dude, and nobody cared that his son was abducted by humans and forced to pull a plow on Galt. <laughs> it's fucking true. And they made him play soccer because they're like, he'll be better. He's a better athlete. He'll be better at soccer, too. Then he killed oh, a guy. Yeah. He killed a guy. And that is why... <clears throat> Hold on a second. Because he killed that guy? Uh That's why he became a terrorist when he got into a fight with Dax. Correct. Uh, This came out eight years before the movie (laughs) Shrek, so, you know, they should have dibs on the name, if you ask me. That's right. I hope the writer of this episode gets a payment every time someone (laughs) listens to All Star. I hope that that's not true, but that he constantly sends letters. Oh, yeah. Asking for money. Because he made up Shrek. Um, this doesn't matter at all. 
but I guess the Federation doesn't have any actual civil engineers, so for some reason, Picard has to learn all about aqueducts this week. Yeah, just this week, in time to save the Bajorans. Yep, again, Hope you do a good job. Captain. Yeah. We just, hey, hey, um, there was a big earthquake in Haiti. Does anybody know what the captain of the USS Gerald Ford is doing? <laughs> is he available to take is care of the problem? Yeah, just manage that entire situation. Thank you. I don't know. What do you mean? Like we should send a hospital ship? No. I mean, no, no, what if him. we sent, what if we sent the uh, USS Abraham Lincoln and just asked the captain to deal just with get them, off. If he could help them in any way. Just disembark and go and help. And like fix <clears> it though. <throat> don't just help, but fix it. What's Jordy's plan if the second blast kills Data? Go in and tell Picard, you told him some shit about being inspired, and you that's why we're in this situation. This is on you, not me. He's just going to say, like, he really wanted to, he wanted to flatliners it. And um, I know that your personal philosophy on this is that a good friend hands their friend the knife. What if it had fucked up the warp engine? What if it exploded out the other end this time, like that gun in, from Beijing with love that first shoots backward and then shoots forward? It's such a good scene. Um, it's ex- it's extremely good, and, it, and when it ends with um, Leslie, whatever, running with her arms dead at her side out of the room, it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch that again. It's been so long since I've seen that. I mean, I would I would watch all of From Beijing with Love again. Uh, that's probably not on any streaming services, and uh, I don't know how many updates I'd have to do to get my Xbox to play a DVD, but I do have that on DVD. Yeah. Hey, man, TNG loved implied nudity, huh? Yeah, man. I guess this time it must be so Worf knows this teenage girl has a bush. Right? I Worf's thought the I kind of guy bush, who says man. stuff like, if there's grass on the field, play ball. That sounds like Worf. <laughs> that does sound like Worf. I swear to God, in all blown up on my screen in HD, I was like, yeah, it's I real. Know, I was uncomfortable watching it. That was, a lot of, that was pretty I was suggestive. Like, Ooh, hey. That's too, I see too much of that actress. Yeah, did they just really just send her out there naked with a Klingon head on? What's happening over there? No, are they? Um, I feel like they definitely glued hair to her boobs so that it, there was no way that her nipples would come out. Okay, good. Man, that was rough. Yeah. Data's not at all worried that he's a fucking fraud, huh? <laughs> that his cognitive abilities have not, in fact, progressed to the point where he starts dreaming that he just got blasted exactly right by a random machine from another part of the galaxy. No, despite he, the fact that that's how he got to the dreams twice. He's sure yeah. now that he's just it. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> when Dr. Sue says to him, your cognitive abilities must have, you've come so far if you're here. And he doesn't go, Ugh. <laughs> I don't know, though I did get blasted. It was an accident, Dad. I'm sorry. But no, no, no. Data Are you proud the, of me still? Data definitely has the confidence of a man who puts on a poetry recital. <laughs> That's right. It would have been funny if he told him it was an accident and then soon he just gone, oh, well, never mind, and disappeared. And that was it. <laughs> like, I'm sure I'm going to be mad about this next week. So this is a fucking sneak preview. Hmm. There's a lot that could have been in this episode about what did Dr. Soong want for Data? And yeah. how does that align with what Data wants for himself? And it gets completely dropped. No, man, they don't care. Like, they mention, the soon gives him all these mundane features, Bashir points out, right? The hair, the breathing, the pulse. Those things probably didn't have to be mimetic. Yeah. 
but he locks away some dreaming circuitry behind some kind of level of cognitive ability test that he hopes Data will one day pass. And Data yeah. hasn't passed that, and we'll never, we'll never know what that means to Data, how he squares all this stuff up with his own vision of himself. It's all laid out as possibly being a part of this episode, and it's just not going to be a part of Data's story. No. <clears throat> not only that, as always... In that first conversation, Bashir's like, oh, sounds like somebody went through a lot of work to make you seem uh, human. And then he doesn't just go, I mean, except for all of this. And <laughs> yeah. just point at his crazy skin and eyes and everything. Yeah, except for he made it impossible for me to pass as human. Yep. For it was no, like he was playing uh, a no fucking trick reason. on me. He did the yeah. hard part, but then not the easy I've part. got hair that grows and I can, and I can jizz. He could but, have put uh, all my circuitry into a real doll, but he did <laughs> right. But instead he did this. Look at me. Just fucking look at me. I'm a mess. God, I look so fucking bad. Imagine waking up next to this. Ah, God. But, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, went through a lot of trouble to appear human. I give best actor to Jordy and worst actor to Soong. Uh, yeah, oh my God. What was dude, it he was doing? Soong is, Soong is wide in this one. He's <laughs> like, it's like... Soong is sure everything he is saying is fucking incredible. Oh, yeah. He also has the confidence My of a boy. man who put on a poetry recital. Maybe Soong was just a Knopfler type. Just a real Mark Knopfler type? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't do my quick hitters. You cut in line, so I'll just No, say, well, um, give them to me. Jagalum Shrek, great name, played by James Cromwell, that money grabber. And then I thought, this is probably before he was a money grabber, though, now that I think about it. <laughs> This was a long time ago. Yeah. But it is thanks to this that I now know he's six foot seven. I mean, he's, he's definitely a tall guy. That is easy. When to I see. saw him, Worf standing next to him, I'm like, oh, damn, Jacqueline Shrek is tall. <laughs> um, Man, before you see Worf doing his Tai Chi, you said he uh, busted a, a table up. I thought yeah. there was a chance he was going to bust a nut, man. You just hear him grunting in the background. Oh, the, yes, the grunting The grunting is, is weird. <laughs> Uh, when Jordy oh, looks man, at, how many points if he'd just been on top of Troy and you're just like, <laughs> whoa, I did not remember this was how it started. <laughs> oh, Jesus, they went straight to that. Okay, then. They started with that. Okay, that is, that's a choice that the writer and director made. Interesting. Um, when Jordy looks at the diagnostic logs again, he'll see Data had over 306062 errors. <laughs> he will see that. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad, man. <laughs> Just constantly disconnecting from everything. Uh, this is where I said Marjan's note about Worf's mom. Um, where is Oda when Worf is dangling this dude over the railing? Uh, they gave the Iridian some trash clothes. Talked about that. Next week we find out Data is still running on Windows XP, and a lot of his shit is unsupported <laughs> now. He's <laughs> just true. so much shit just doesn't work anymore. Uh. Odo was busy filming Move Along Home, which is the episode they were shooting during this. Mm, fine episode, fine episode. Scored a lot of points. Oh, wait. Well, worst actor candidate, Data's vision of a young Soong on the bridge. I'm sorry, I mean the deck of the Enterprise, I think he actually says. Um, <laughs> but that Data stunt double on the bed was oh, so yeah. bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. What Listen, that they, was a, they had to figure out a lot of ways to shoot Date, uh, Brent Spiner twice, and honestly, it was mostly okay. But the 
the the double they used for data on looks the bed. They like they him. cheated way too much of his face into the shot. That guy looked nothing like Spiner. As soon as he popped into the scene, I was like, "What the fuck's happening here?" Uh, and then I think I told you offline. Great shot of Bashir and Data walking toward the camera. Then there's a cut. Bashir walks away wearing white sneakers instead of the black boots he was wearing a second ago. Very good stuff. It tracks him all the way down the hall in his bright white kicks. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm in uh, love. It's, it's possible for us to believe that those are Bashir's shoes. Like, he, I look, uh, <clears throat> he, maybe doctors still wear those in the future. I don't know. He's Yeah, he's snaking it on the Enterprise in the first place. Like, he just came in there uninvited and started using all their shit. He's got mm-hmm. a lot of confidence himself. Maybe he just wears his own sneakers sometimes when he knows it Cisco ain't around. Fucking could be, but it was the first time I ever saw a Starfleet dude not just wearing those boots. And it was jarring to see. <laughs> and then all the stuff about whether or not the Uridian will ever come back. I don't think he ever does. Um, so those are my clickators. <clears throat> well, all right. Um, 21 points. A point better than Tapestry. And if you'd said, hey, which one's a better episode? Tapestry or Birthright Part 1? 99% <laughs> of people are going to say Tapestry. Yeah, I think so. That's the rubric. You scored it the same, and at 11, I gave, it, I gave Birthright one point more than Tapestry. So... Yeah. But that means we get to talk about last week's winner, Deep Space Nine. This week we watched In the Pale Moonlight. Which we may not talk about this. It's a Batman reference. <laughs> no, we probably weren't going to get into it. It's true. That's so weird. It's a weird one. All right. Here we go. I'm ready. (sighs) Captain's personal log. Can you hear me? I do. Okay, this is a a dark fucking period. I ask that because I switched my headphones. Um, Okay. Cisco needs to get some shit off his chest, man. He did crimes? Uh, This is a... This personal log is also a visual log. He keeps spiking the lens. Anyway... (laughs) Two weeks ago, Cisco was feeling a certain way after posting the casualty reports from the latest battles in this damned space war. The fucking Cairo was destroyed near the neutral zone. Is that Jellicoe's old ship? I can't remember. It was Jellicoe's ship, but apparently he's no longer captain. He probably also, he probably is in command of the 10th fleet, honestly. Yeah, he's probably moved, he probably moved up real fast after that Cardi shit went down. I mean, you you have to imagine because he was already Nechev's Cardi guy. Yeah. And he the dude did, is a Commodore at the very least now. He did crush it that day. Um, anyway, the Gemadar keep crossing the Romulan border and attacking Starfleet ships thanks to their non-aggression treaty with the Romulans. Cisco says that's when he decided to fucking rage out here and get the Romulans on Starfleet's side by himself, I guess? One man. That's a crazy idea only a real megalomaniac would have, and that tracks credits. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of does. <clears throat> Dax and Cisco roleplay a bit about like what he would say to the Romulans if he could just just holler at them for a minute. And uh, Dax gets way too into it, and I got embarrassed at home. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. P- people really excited about doing improv, but they uh, they they ain't done the groundlings yet. No, nah, she was not ready. <laughs> um, but you know, it was more juice than the actor ever gives to Dax herself. Um, 
The outcome of their little game is that Cisco needs proof of Dominion betrayal to even get the Romulans to pay any attention to him. A thing which they both assume is happening. That the Dominion yep. already has a plan on the books to betray the Romulans. Oh, Cisco definitely thinks so, because soon he'll just say, Garrick, go find it. It's definitely there, go, so just go, go find the it. proof that I'm I'm really sure exists. It must exist. So yeah, he's got to go looking for it. He goes to Garrick. Garrick says, well, I definitely can't go to Cardassia and steal war plans, man. That's nuts. But he can use, like, I don't know, all of his contacts and favors at his disposal in order to get what Cisco wants. And also, he forewarns him, it's going to get wild in here. So you have to promise you can hang and not embarrass me. Yeah, and boy, Cisco says hey, he's when, cool, man. When Cisco says he's willing to do whatever it takes, uh, Andrew Robinson does a real Andrew Robinson face about it. <laughs> he's pretty excited. Like, that's the moment where Garrick is in, is when Cisco's like, yeah, I'm going to change the course of the war. Yeah, me personally. You've seen this before. I do it like every three weeks. Uh, anyway, yeah, so Cisco says he's cool. Everyone knows he's cool. Ask anybody. Bing it, even. Back in log format, Cisco says, see... I had good intentions. You guys saw my flashback. I just want to stop the Dominion, man. Back to flashback. The Dominion invaded Beta Zed? <laughs> yeah. What? I'd do it too, man. Successfully. Those, those fuckers can read minds. Get they ass. Yeah, you want to you want to stop them pretty quick. They took the whole planet in 10 hours, and now all the core federation worlds are within striking distance. Again, Cisco considers this his personal problem. Yep. This is not anything for the brass to worry about. This is like, I gotta fix this right now. Wasn't even his fleet that he turned over to Martok that got caught off guard nope. on this one. So, nope. Not his deal at all, but he he thinks it is. Cisco goes to chat with Garrick. Uh, Garrick says, uh, I did call in all my favors, and people were down to clown. Everyone was ready to go, but the Dominion killed all of them within a day. So, that's a big whoops. Garrick has another plan, though. I think it's personal for him now, too. He's like, um, he remembers all that Tane business, and he's probably already pretty mad at the Dominion, and then all of his contacts get wiped, so he seems pretty uh, all in at this point. Oh, Matt, I'm so excited because you and I have a different understanding of what happened in this episode. Oh, okay. Uh, well, anyway, he says, new so plan. I cannot wait to get to it, but yeah. We pl a new plan, we fake that shit. We make up an insidious plot to conquer the Empire and get the Romulans to check it out. They need to convince a specific guy. A guy who's the architect of the, the pro-Dominion stance on Romulus. And if they can get him on board, they'd be all set. Again, lots of things are very certain in everyone's minds in this episode. I chalk that up to it being 40 minutes long. Yeah, they, there's they're really no time have to cut some quarters. Exactly. Yeah, there's no time to think about all the various permutations here. Once they decided to make this a one part episode, which I think, given the crazy framing device <laughs> they chose for it, they really had to. You yep. couldn't have this be a two parter done this way. <laughs> I mean, they definitely shouldn't have chosen this framing device, but that's another thing entirely. Anyway, uh, He's got a whole plan with, like, faked holographic recording of a secret meeting with all of our favorite Dominion guys in it. And um, Garrick's going to get the rod, too, the data rod. It's going to be legit for sure. And he's going to hire a Holosuite programmer to, to, do the, to do the program. But that guy, he's in Klingon jail. So you got to go get a pardon from Galron. Actually, this part of the episode is like the No-J Consortium episode. <laughs> a little bit. If you remember that. 
Cisco's got to do a bunch of business. Uh, Cisco chats with the released programmer who assumes he's there for porn to do a yes. porn. And also, first of all, he thinks Cisco's into Orion slave girls, which that ain't going to be his thing. No, not Cisco personally. No, no, no. No, Cisco's it's so gonna... vanilla. Cisco doesn't really want a porn. He kind of pro- what he really wants is like a Cinemax movie. <laughs> He's not that into the porn part, you know. He needs, but he needs a little story. It needs to be dark. Maybe like uh, an erotic thriller that you used to be able to make. You can't make those no more. Yeah, I don't do those no more. Um, but then the guy hears that Garrick is involved and he gets pretty sad. Like this yeah. won't be a fun porno adventure after all. But whoops, the programmer tries to kill Quark like 11 seconds later. I I thought maybe he was just hoping to get in Federation or Bajoran prison rather than Mm -hmm. work with Garrick. Because Garrick has that scary smile. Anyway, Cisco has to now do... If that were true, he wouldn't be uh, dropping Cisco's name and getting him out of it, though. Yeah. Uh, Cisco has to convince Quark now not to press charges. Quark sees the opportunity to bargain with the normally upstanding Starfleet officer because <clears throat> he knows this dude's in deep. So he gets Cisco to, like, I don't know, help him hide some of his crimes while he's doing these other crimes. And back to Cisco ranting at the camera. He's so mad at himself, man. But the space war, he almost says, what can he do? Yeah, every time he talks himself out of it, it's time to post more casualty reports. That's right. Uh, Garrick says uh, he locked that asshole in his quarters, so no more worrying about him. Uh, the next thing Garrick needs is biomimetic gel, though. Which Cisco really doesn't want to give up. Like, for real doesn't. Yeah, so for that asked for some yellow cake uranium, and Cisco's <laughs> like, what? He's like, what are you talking about? To get the data rod? I don't think that's gonna work. That doesn't sound that like doesn't that doesn't make any work. sense. That's crazy. Uh, he tells Garrick no dice, but then, like, he thinks about it. And he goes like, okay, but what about like maybe less biomimetic gel? <laughs> Cut to Bashir being like, what? That's dangerous. Remember when the guy with the electric hands ransacked my office and played games in my head to get some of that shit? <laughs> anyway, Bashir's filing a protest about this gel issue, but Cisco gets what he needs. Next, they watch the Hollow program and the characters say shit hella directly out loud like the invasion of romulus but romulus is where romulans are and it'll be hard to conquer the romulans <laughs> man i'd suspect a forgery if i got that thing yeah you shit wouldn't was... be uh you wouldn't be like worried about whether the rod was correct you'd be like <laughs> I'd go, i'm really? sorry what i'm sorry I don't... are you guys being for real now I just don't think that's how Wei Yun talks. I'm sorry. I've met him. And, like, I know they've made a point of having a lot of personal touches in there where the characters are fighting, but, like, the part about the Romulans was just yeah, pretty yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, Damar hates Romulans. I know I get it. We're setting something up. But, man, there's no way. Uh, Anyway, this senator guy, Vrenak, he's on the way. They got that part done. So things are going okay. Cisco he's tells about to... He's about to come in and run wild all over this episode. <laughs> Things are going pretty well. Cisco tells the programmer guy he, he can't fucking leave until the client accepts the program. And if he doesn't, Cisco will turn him back over to Galron. So Cisco's on some shit. He's got that Kenseiko twitch in this scene. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good Avery Brooks stuff. Uh, back in the log. He confirms, and by the way, it's a, uh, it's a wild threat because this threat comes after... 
the program is uh, irreparably committed to the one-time writing rod. So even if this guy had been holding out, nothing he could do now. Yep, that's it. Uh, he should have made this threat earlier. That's all I'm saying. Back in the log, he confirms Starfleet never... <clears throat> Starfleet finally gave their formal blessing to this weird fucking plan. Uh, Cisco narrates some more about the meeting with Senator Vrenak. And uh, Garrick decides uh, on the way to the meeting, it's best to spy on the Romulan ships, like records and shit, while the meeting is happening. And Cisco is like, so fucking far gone that he thinks that is a good idea. Yep. Instead of going, that sounds like something additional to our plan. So no yeah. thank you. Hey, this sounds like all risk. Yeah, I don't. this has nothing to do with the thing we said. I'm going to say no on that. I'm guessing just, they didn't load a bunch of sensitive information into a shuttle they knew would be leaving Romulan space during wartime. <laughs> but because he's like, I guess because he's in deep. And I guess this part's to show us that Garrick's now his new l- lieutenant. That Garrick follows him around and does his secret bidding. Because you can see Worf getting all pissed about them being together. Um, he just says, yeah, that's yeah, good idea. Go do that thing on the Romulan ship. Fuck. Uh, this Vrenat guy is super insulting and dismissive uh, when he comes on board. He, he leads with 25 insults. Yes. Like the first... Garrick said he would be arrogant, and this guy comes <laughs> in and goes way past it. <laughs> first many things that he says, many, many things are just insults. There's, they're not even failed. Uh, anyway, he eventually he lays it out for Cisco. The Dominion's gonna win this war because they'll do. Get ready, whatever, whatever it, takes it takes to win. See, he doesn't know Cisco's gone rotten just this week. Yes. Um, Cisco gives he his inf- his intel on Cisco is literally one week behind, yep, and he's like, it. "This is the took. guy who's gonna stand up to Section Thirty One. <laughs> he's not coming. He doesn't. He's not willing to do whatever it takes. That's right." Uh, Cisco gives the generic arguments first and the guy says, cool, cool, but we're good. Thank you. Uh, everything's fine here. And then Cisco introduces the fake evidence and the guy wants to review it. He has to examine the fucking data rod after he watches the program and Cisco waits impatiently for his answer. Cisco says, Papa Sheridan, he says Sheridan, which is weird, had some <laughs> wise words about patience, but in souffle terms this time? But we already know Cisco doesn't know what a souffle is. Well, anyway. He doesn't know how to make one, for sure. Maybe that's why it's such a fucking mystery whether it arise or not. <laughs> he just keeps looking at his lasagna like, is it going to rise? <laughs> is my lasagna souffle going to rise? It's not rising. Anyway, the guy... Uh, <laughs> Vrenak dramatically holds up the rod at Cisco and whisper shouts, It's a fake! Sorry, do you want to hear it? Yeah, it's go a fake! <laughs> it's the read is so... <laughs> oh, let's do it again. It's a fake! <laughs> he says to a man across the room. It's such a weird choice for that character and obviously for this actor. Yeah. So he's holding it weird too. He's holding it yeah. so dumbly. It's like he's fisted it all up, but it's like sticking out of his fist. Anyway. Uh, Cisco went, oh, well, our, uh, credibility drops again. What can you do? He doesn't seem too worried about it, this whole plan going tits up. But then that Romulan shuttle uh, blows up. Whoops. Um, I guess... Th- 
Okay, so they start to talk about how uh, the Romulans think it was the Dominion who did it, um, and it's going to bust up their alliance, maybe. Everyone's really excited about it. Um, Cisco fucking makes it real obvious to everyone what happened when he gets super mad (laughs) and immediately fucking beelines it to the tailor shop and decks Garrick and shouts, you killed him, yada, 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 data rod, yada, 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 you killed our (laughs) secret programmer. Big punch, but what if they don't join the war? Shouts all this stuff out loud. Garrick shouts back. It's all very sloppy, I guess, which is what Garrick promised in the beginning. Um. Anyway, Garrick walks him through it all, and Cisco sees uh, this is actually like a super good plan that might get the Romulans on board. This great plan he had to blow up the Romulan ship, and then they're going to find the charred data rod, and that any imperfections would be hidden by the damage from the ship blowing up, and they'll think that this guy had secret evidence of the Dominion plotting to take over the Romulan Empire, and that's why he was killed, and they're going to fucking join the Federation and the Klingons or whatever. <clears throat> I Did you catch whether this was Garrick's plan A, that he knew all along the rod would fail, or if this was his cool backup plan? Uh, I believe him when he said he hoped the rod would pass muster, but I okay. also do believe this was uh, Garrick's plan included the assassination, whether or not Vreenak uh, believed it, it was whatever. real. Okay. Yes. Anyway, <clears throat> Cisco tells his log that the Romulans declared war on the Dominion and are whipping that ass right now. So Cisco did many crimes this week, but we did good, right? I'd do it all over again, man. Delete dog. No, wait, I meant log. Delete log. Oh, no, lucky. Lucky, no. End. (laughs) He deleted the log, man. It never happened. Yeah. No one. uh, This was 100% for us. This is an episode that never happened. Yep. All right, man. Uh, Play the Chaco thing. I want you to sweat for once. Oh, okay. He's very intimidating. Are you interpreting all the symbols? Searching it's a fake. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard when that guy did that. Apparently, uh, see, we didn't uh, have a computer when this aired, sure. but apparently, uh, this was a big early meme. Oh, what? Star Trek meme on the internet I was mean, I just a it. picture it's of Freenak. There's a, there's a. Oh man, is it just it's a fake dot ytmnd? Hold on. Oh. I mean, it was hilarious. What is this, 1998 or something? Yeah, it fucking absolutely is. Uh, please feel free to go to itsafake.ytmnd.com. Uh, Y-T. Yeah, it stands for You're the Man Now, Doc. This is a very early meme site. Okay. Oh, man. I love it. <laughs> So it just goes on forever. Great. Yeah, it's just a loop. It just shows him holding up the rod in a loop of it's a fake. So everyone feel <laughs> free to check scene. that out if you want to see how he holds the rod. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're not the first to have noticed that uh, great thing. Oh, hey, yeah, no, here... I, I assumed that. But yeah, 98, you're pretty early in, in meme yeah, territory. Exactly. Hey, uh, Andrew Robinson says the lesson Cisco learns this week is you can't take the devil to bed and not have sex. Holy shit. Well, he should have said that in the episode. That would have been way cooler. It would have been cool if they would never let him say sex. No. And he would have had to say the Christian devil. 
<laughs> and specify it, which we all, uh, even on Cardassia, understand is is what matters. I think the producers were probably going for A, War as Hell, subheading, mm. one man's conscience isn't worth a whole lot in the big picture. Sure. It's not a Trek take, but also dirty tricks and faked evidence and even assassinations are pretty common wartime fare. Um, like, there's not a lot of new ground being covered here. I gave it as much as a three. Okay. Yeah, I had to do the ends justify the means, though. Do they? I don't know. That was the take. Yeah. You have to include the question at the end. It is, because it's not. I'm not sure whether because we're supposed to come down on one side or the other. Cisco says, but I can live with it. I can, I can live, live with, it. with it. I can live with it? <laughs> <laughs> I can? I can. I can. Yeah. All right. Before he deletes it. Um, I said, thanks for the clarity, DS9. I thought we just asked this question about Section 31 last time. But anyway, we'll figure this thing out eventually if we just keep working on it. <laughs> We're going to get there. We'll get there in the end. We're going to get there. I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, execution. Um, I give a lot of credit to the writers of this episode, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Um, <laughs> it was a sneaky political caper. People get their hands dirty. Garrick does Garrick stuff. Cisco gets twitchy. Uh, the good guys get a win. The stakes change. It was a fun ride. Is it perfect? Nah, man, it's Star Trek. But I really appreciate the Liu Bei and Peng Tong shit we have here with uh, Cisco and Garrick. And I think it's one of the stronger DS9 episodes we've seen so far. They decide not to slow burn it, which is not the right choice. Everything has to be done in 40 minutes, so we don't get to see much development of this strategy. Everything basically works correctly as far as Garrick is concerned. Oh, yeah, for sure, Cisco would be checking in on Garrick in the last five minutes of five unrelated episodes yes. in uh, in modern, if this were shot modern. Like, this like, would oh, be something still working Garrick, on that Garrick thing. Garrick, Garrick still Cisco just pops up. Yeah, that's right, the plot's still coming. Yeah. But yeah, in this one, it's all just, it has to be done now. Um, it also uses a character we already know thinks uh, they're basically divine and can get away with anything. So it makes and sense. And is only getting more convinced. Yes. I mean, look, after that uh, after that episode where he, uh, he uncovered that obelisk with his brain powers <laughs> and then that changeling doctor did the surgery on him. The brain surgery on him, yeah. <laughs> um, I think he became pretty convinced that he had magic powers, for sure. Uh, and then obviously um, it hey, doesn't Matt, help. Hey, Matt, was he a... I'm oh, sorry. Was he the real Dr. Bashir or... Uh... It's a fake. <laughs> and then... Um... And then obviously it didn't help when he went into the wormhole and the and the all those ships got disappeared by the wormhole aliens. So yeah, he's pretty sure he can do. Um, it's not a surprise that he takes it upon himself to do crimes and win the day. He could do a little thing like get the Romulans to enter the war, mm-hmm. and he does. It's actually kind of a weakness that he needs to convince himself it's a good idea. I I feel like like where was this Cisco when Eddington was popping off? Oh, the yeah. one that had uh, moral quandaries. Um, we get to see, like, Bashir's reaction, Odo's reaction, Worf's reaction, all everyone that they encounter in this episode to all this shit, and they all hate it, which I guess is supposed to make us really question what Cisco's up to. Until the Romulan says it's a fake, I rather enjoyed that guy's performance. I thought... Oh, sorry, was... that wasn't where you turned and you decided the whole performance was good? <laughs> 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 I don't know what. Oh, look, the character that this guy is playing is the a true creature. 
that dude's actor secret was that uh, Senator Vreenak was fully torqued in that moment. <laughs> he was excited to have uncovered the fake. He calmly waits for Cisco to get in and has his, and his guards leave. And just it's after the door, after the door is closed, that's what he does. He was holding that rod like that the whole time he was waiting for Cisco to come to his quarters. But yeah, the character is a true creature, and I love him very much. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, moved the space war forward, and when you include the uh, the hollow program, this was kind of like a. There were certain characters missing. Like I don't think there's is Kira in this at all. Uh, Kira's voice is in it. She calls to tell Cisco that that transmission, subspace transmission, he's waiting for came in. Okay, and there's like no Jake or Nog, and who gives a shit about that? But yeah, those guys thought those those guys ain't in it no more. But otherwise, it was like mega little league. Like everybody, yeah, but, no rom. But you're right. Everybody but like Ducat and fucking Cartwright Cisco were in this thing, and they were both mentioned. So yeah. Um. Uh, the narrative device is uh, it's not amazing. It's not the best thing I've ever seen. I it's mean, just a hundred percent outside the language of Star Trek. But I, we just don't. I, look, have we ever needed the part where he says, "Okay, get this"? Two weeks ago. <laughs> This is what happened. Instead of just starting the episode two weeks ago. Yeah, no, know? we uh, we get that with Odin, the Odin relationship. It's all the time. It always happens where they're like, okay, check it out, man. Three days ago. But I mean, she introduces it in a log entry, right? About Odin. Yes. Yeah. Kareel Odin. Uh, and then, do we get it? I think when we get to... Not clues, but the one, the Dr. Dr. Rega one. Uh, suspicions. Jesus. I think that's going to be in media res where she then uses a log entry to take us back. Yep. It starts off with her on a shuttle, I think. Jesus yeah. God. No, I mean, we had a lot of those. But anyway, I just, I hate it. Just take us to just start two weeks ago. Yeah. Just start could've. from the top, man. Uh, and then obviously it deletes the log in the end and it's like. The log never really happened. Anyway, I gave it a seven. I liked the episode. Uh, this is the score that I have been all over. I've been up and down with the score for this for execution. Okay. Because I think the fundamental question that I have to ask is, why do I enjoy this even though it's a dark episode? Even though it's, you know. Yeah. I, it's I not really, Gene. I really hated the Section 31 episode last week. Oh, man, that was not a good one at all. So why do I not hate this one? Well, it's big swings for sure. Yeah. Uh, Cisco is directly addressing us. He doesn't have to look at us and spike the lens to give a personal log. Yeah. And the log gets deleted at the end. So this entire thing is for us. It breaks the fourth wall in that way. Sure. There's no B-plot at all. Thank God. Um, even in the even in that framing device, they're doing things. Like, Cisco in every scene, is slowly taking off his uniform jacket, right? Yeah. As he <clears throat> relates how he gets further and further from Starfleet, he's getting further and further out of that uniform. That's right, they're using language. They are uh, using exactly. visual language. Visual language. <laughs> Not just like when there's a fucking uh, blinking light on the promenade. 
as a crane shot shows a dead Cardassian. <laughs> so some steam shoots out, and you're like, yeah. what's steaming? What's happening? What is, what's that steam come from? <sighs> so, like I said, big swings. And it mostly works, especially mood-wise. All the eye contact in the log scenes, the direct address from Cisco, it's unsettling. It's supposed to be because he's unsettled. Mm. It's uncomfortable when he pushes against Odo, when he pushes against Bashir, when he bribes Quark and Quark loves it. Yeah. When he roughs up that forger for no real, like it's not productive. No, he he's does. straight having a Canseco moment, dude. Yeah. He just roughs that guy up because he wants to, and then he twitches about it. <laughs> and it's uncomfortable how excited everyone is at the prospect of the Romulans entering the war. Like that's yeah. how Cisco would feel if he didn't know what he knows, right? Yeah. Um, they do other work. Vrenak in his scenes is constantly talking about the fake Romulan ale and how mm-hmm. he can detect that it's a fake. It's almost good foreshadowing, of course, his amazing line read to come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the acting is definitely over the top and the deleted log entry does hang a lampshade on the usual framing device format. But yeah, it mostly worked for me. But here's what I really loved about this one. And it's all in the subtext. I believe that Garrick's, that the assassination was Garrick's plan A. Okay. Um, when he tells Cisco, you're going to bring him this evidence and you're going to tell him, oh, 10 good men died for this, yeah. bring, to bring this information. He has just told Cisco that all of his contacts were killed on Cardassia. Mm-hmm. He never, he never reached out to anyone on Cardassia. The whole uh, plan was this plan from the start. Could be. He manipulated Cisco that way. When he when he's going to tell him when he it lays out how difficult it is to get this rod, he's already got that rod. There's no Ooh. buyer. The mimetic gel that's for Garrick. He's making a bomb with it. They say <laughs> you can use it to make organic explosives. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, all right. Garrick's entire plan is to blow up the shuttle to make the evidence on the rod seem convincing. He's going to kill this Senator to bring the guy in. And he's also going to teach Cisco a nice lesson about, uh, how far you'll, how he's really willing to go on this. And when he tells him at the end, you came to me, you knew what this was going to be. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the truth. That's the absolute (laughs) truth. If you go to Garrick and say, Hey, I need a little bit of black ops business done. You're not, you're not intending to play anything by the rules for sure. Uh, and and this, by the way, is why he also used Cisco to wipe out some former enemy of his. If the imperfections in the program weren't going to ultimately matter because of the shuttle, he didn't need this guy. Yeah. And this guy, by the way, maybe he's not that good a forger. He thought he was there to make pornos. That's <laughs> right. But why didn't Garrick, Garrick need to kill that to guy? To strike though? at an enemy he couldn't reach because he was in Klingon custody. Yeah, but I mean, if he was in Klingon custody, it's fucked anyway, right? I mean, maybe, but the Klingon, maybe, I mean, Garrick, we don't even know how Garrick killed him. Sure. Or what he got out of him before he killed him, right? Yeah. So, uh, I really like that that is all in the background, but it's it seems deliberate to me. Yeah. That he has just yes, feeling... told Cisco about all of his lost operatives. And then he tells him, listen, you're going to go and talk about all of these lost operatives that brought you this rod. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hadn't considered that part of it. I did think it at the end. I was like, okay, his plan A was definitely to do this, and I couldn't tell whether it was because he knew the thing would fail or whether that was whether that was immaterial. Yeah, I think so, it ultimately doesn't matter, right? Yeah. If Vrenak believes that it's true, and then Garrick blows him up going home, same, same exact sequence yeah. of events. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's, um, that's the fun of having Garrick on the show. Yeah, but usually the writers aren't smart like enough to, to use him well. Oh, yeah. And well, I, like last week when we were like, why isn't he in this Section 31 episode? This doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, exactly. There's one person uh, Bashir should go to in this episode, and it's Garrick, and he's not on the whole episode. So, so like I've said, this thing takes some swings. It's it's weird what they do with the framing, and I'm not sure that they needed to do that. Cisco yeah. could have been telling all this to his dad. <laughs> you know what and I mean? He would be in the episode. Yeah. Um, and I think. Uh, so I'm just gonna say I gave it an eight. But okay. what I uh, they what they wanted to do, the writers got talking about uh Watergate or something, and they wanted mm. to do an episode where there was a really like a big conspiracy that if people found out would be shocking. Right. And this is what they wrote for that. Interesting. I mean, right. it is. This, Cisco that's, did this attack. That's a big <clears throat> kind of false flag kind of deal. Yep. So that would be uh, impactful. Uh, and it's going to score some points for world building, too, because, of course, the Romulans enter the war. And yeah. there's the invasion of Beta Zed. Um, we get some other stuff, too. Biomimetic gel, these Cardassian rods. Again, we don't know how much of what Garrick says about these fucking things is true. Yep. Uh, Cisco makes no attempt to verify any of it, because I think he has exactly one person he can go to for this stuff. And if that guy says it, he's just got to accept it. <laughs> yep. Um, Starfleet is running a manpower shortage. Hmm. Uh Vrenak says the Dominion shipyards are at 100%. Of course, at the end of this, the Romans are going to attack 15 Dominion outposts. Maybe they start with those shipyards. Who knows? Yeah. So there's definitely world building here, and I gave it a five, and I could see a four. Okay. I actually gave it a six. Um, right. Romulan non-aggression treaty is causing major problems for Starfleet. This Senator Vrenak, who's the leading advocate of peace with the Dominion. Cisco's big crime that changes the course of the war, maybe. Uh, the invasion of Beta Zed. That's the end of the Cairo. Again, I ask, is that Jellico's old ship? I can never remember. Um, Kali Fall. Is that Romulan ale of a certain variety? I it's mean, blue. I don't know. It's light blue. It's blue, as we know ales always are. The um, Romulan ones. Many things happened in this episode that explain and alter Alpha Quadrant politics that the viewer might have been wondering about. Like, what are the Romulans up to this whole time? That kind of thing. Yep. We did. It, they. It was mentioned that they signed a non-aggression pact. Yes. So that's not new. But the, the even the idea that the Jem'Hadar are using their territory in a way that probably is not part of the non-aggression pact. They're just, yep. they're just pushing a little. They're line stepping. And like the guy said, uh, ultimately that doesn't bother us too much. Yeah. Not enough to do anything about it. So yeah, I give it a six. Um, characterization. Cisco takes it upon himself to change the entire course of the war. Again. He does several crimes and um, helps others hide their crimes. He does lots of crime hiding and stuff. Yep. Uh, I guess we're left wondering if he's going to be okay about it with that last bit, but he did deal another massive blow to the Dominion for sure, so uh, mission accomplished. 
Dax's buddy beefed it on the Cairo. Leslie Wong. Leslie Wong. So this is where I said, Garrick, I think, is still probably mad about Tane. And if all his contacts he did die, then he'd be pretty mad about that. But he does gleefully orchestrate this whole deal. And I think his favorite part is Cisco's reaction in the end when he comes to the tailor shop. Because that's when he gets to throw it all back in his face and be the new unified champion of Spycraft. Yep. Which is what he wants. <laughs> but remember, I, I think his favorite part is Cisco angrily coming to the tailor shop in the oh, end. Oh, he doesn't mind getting punched in the face and his hair no, gets no, no, not up if a little can, bit. Not if he can have this great loud conversation about how cool his plan was. Yep. Uh, Quark is happy to see Cisco's fall from grace. He's been talked down to so many times, so he relishes giving it back to Cisco. Also, hide some crimes. <clears throat> uh, Odo can't just hide what this guy did trying to kill quark and leaves it up to quark to press charges so that's something we get to see bashir's reaction odo's reaction Worf's reaction to all this shit um and like i said earlier i think it probably would have been more points if cisco had been even farther gone since i thought he'd already lost his damn mind in the eddington days and didn't feel shame or worry about whether he was making a moral choice anymore but yeah, it does kind of depend on which writer gets a hold of him. Like with Janeway. Yeah. Is so. she, she going to be negotiation and alliance building, or is she going to be full pirate? Is she going to be? Is she going to be in the last forty seconds of the episode? So we decided to negotiate, and it was a success. Congratulations to me. For the rest of the episode, there's nothing's happening. That's that eight four seven two one where they were planning to infiltrate Earth by being Boothby or whatever. Um, yep. I gave it a six. Um, yeah, so... First of all, Garrick gets so boned out when Cisco says he's going to do whatever it takes to start a war, and he's a pure freak the rest of the episode. <laughs> yep. Was oh, yeah, all he the stuff he does with that programmer is very fun stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he tells him to go back to his quarters. And that he'd join him there shortly, and the guy meekly walks away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he burn even one actual contact or favor on this? Who knows? Doesn't matter. Quark lighting up when Cisco has to bribe him was also very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cisco, I wrote, has real Mark Knopfler level confidence here. Thinks maybe he can figure out a way to get the Romulans into the war. Has sure, to eat not? a lot of shit to do it. Keep crossing lines. Ends with assassination and murder. Decides he can live with it, but can he? It's all very good. But, last week Cisco declared himself enemy number one of the Dirty Tricks Brigade and <laughs> voluntold Bashir for a dangerous spy duty. Yeah. So that's a little bit of whiplash, whiplash that Mars and otherwise. A uh, pretty good character piece. I did give it a six also, though. Okay. Uh, quick ones. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the Kairos Jellico's old ship. I wonder where he is now. We covered that. That list of casualties was way less than the complement of even one starship. So did everyone else get out and Leslie Wong just went down with the ship or do they yeah. only show the important people? Well, I think Dax only gives even one quarter shit about the important people. Yeah, but we see the list, dude. There's 50 names on it maximum. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe she did. That ain't the whole crew of the Cairo on there. No, although they're facing a manpower shortage, we are told by the Romulan guy, and uh, there are losing and commissioning a ton of ships maybe they are going to like almost full automation maybe these ships I mean, really uh, are the just computer can do light. basically whatever you tell it to anyway so maybe yeah maybe these ships are traveling pretty light who knows uh 
uh, I wrote, this is why it's great when Garrick's around. With his face, he tells you that he's in on this plan because Cisco is suddenly interested in making a big political play on his own. That's mm-hmm. not part of his orders. Like, there's been so much about how Cardassians love, like, a big, risky move. Yeah. And it, you really get to see it in Jort's face on this one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, great work by Jort this week, for sure. Uh, I said I hope there's a deleted scene where Quark explains that the value of the shirt is proportional to the complexity of the pattern because <laughs> he, when he starts talking about how much how Cisco needs to get him a new shirt, I was like, that's a Dan Flash's shirt for sure. That's right. Yeah, that shit cost fucking two bars. Everyone is so yucked by the idea that this guy wants biomimetic gel. Mm-hmm. They're like, that's nasty. Are you sure? Biomimetic gel? No way. But <laughs> yeah. I think Garrick, in the end, Garrick just used it to make a bomb. Could be. Um, and I love that Garrick snuck his own weird little revenge murder in, and we don't even know why or how. <laughs> yeah. We don't even know how he killed the guy. We don't know no. why he killed the guy, but it nope. was... Sisko just says, and you killed that guy too? And Garrick goes, <laughs> obviously! Clearly I did. Fucking keep up. <laughs> Um, I gave best actor to Garrick or Quark. I liked either of those performances this week. Makes sense. Worst if you actor, check the actor rankings. I think. I yeah, I really felt like self righteous Bashir felt unmotivated this week. Yeah, like, he only got to be in the episode that little bit, and uh, he's he's mad about this biomimetic gel. Does he not remember what happened when he assembled the Geek Squad? <laughs> no, he does not. <clears throat> Even Does though he it was not thrown in his face many times last week. Being on trial last week. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Um, yeah, man. I mean, all my notes are always in the description now, but um obvious candidate for worst actor is it's a fake Vreenak, except I really enjoyed all of everything. It's a fake. <laughs> Can you get him in timelines? Can you get it's a fake Vreenak? I That's want a him. Good question. All holding the rod like a weirdo and hissing. That'd be great. Can you get porno maker blue guy? I forgot I his don't name. Think, I don't think that guy's in it. What about Cisco punched him twice, Garrick? Can you get that one? <laughs> he's like, he's just smiling wide and his eyes are like fucking beaming, but he's like got blood coming out of the corner of his mouth. Look, man, you maybe you should uh, apply for a job there because these guys, come up with character ideas. They got to come up with uh, two new four star characters and a new five star character every month. So, <laughs> yep. um, and then best actor I had is Garrick. But, um, yeah, that's it. We we finally completed this one. Well, they fucking put up forty five points with this one. <clears throat> that's uh, been a while since we had one of those. I mean, that's. That is dark green, and we ain't seen. We got a forty for Chain of Command Part Two. That was pretty good. The but... outcast got forty-four. <coughs> right? Yep. Uh, boy, forty-five though. It's been a while, man. Yeah, you're. We're gonna have uh, to go forty-seven away. reunion episode eighty. Okay, so that's it's a good. Been it, oh, in the sixty in the week weeks with the all-time highest standard deviation because it also had waking moments. <laughs> that's right. So it's uh, been a, co- a cool 61 weeks since someone scored that high. Yeah. But um, obviously a 45 is going to win it this week. That's going to be Deep Space Nine's 51st win. They're back to seven behind Next Generation. Right. They need well, to close the gap. Um, yeah, they're obviously you want to be seven ahead and not seven behind with this much yep. time left. 
Yeah, we're uh, we're here at week 141. They've got until week 173. So they got 32 episodes left to get, uh, you know, to have a plus seven differential. Yeah, I mean, the bad news is next week is his way. That's not going to go well. <laughs> but the good news is TNG cold sucks now. So Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know what the Voyager episode Lifeline is about. Me either. I, it sounds, we know Fury was real trash. Uh, yeah. Lifeline sounds better than the next one, The Haunting of Deck 12. <laughs> That's so, yours. That's yours. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> every time we read yours. Every time we read the, how we just randomly decided to, okay, I'll take this week, you take next week, and yours always seem worse. Um, but, yeah, so here's, here's what we're watching uh, for next time when we come around. Uh, Birthright Part 2. Worf's gonna get freaky with that girl. Yeah, we'll see. I'll look for evidence. And, uh, by the way, what the rest of the episode is or the message will be, I don't know. I think Worf's gonna eventually come to terms with the fact that these Klingons don't want to go home. Uh, yeah, but then in the end, some of them choose to, I think. I think there is some... Yeah, he's gonna excite them about being being Klingons, so there's gonna have to be something about what they're missing by not being home versus what they're getting, but anyway, who knows? And the dad almost shoots her, but then decides not to. There's some stuff. There's There's stuff stuff going on, whatever. We're gonna get his way. A hologram. Frank Sinatra teaches Odo how to love Kira. The hollow crew. There's teaches no Odo how to romance words. Kira. You know There's... the way she wants to be romanced yeah, by, by a hollow holo- by the driving crooner. <laughs> There's got to be a way to make money off it. In the future, <laughs> they found a way. They In the future, they found a way to make money off of it. Yeah. And uh, Voyager Lifeline. Uh, I have no idea what that's about. Let me do a real I don't even, quick. I was gonna say I don't even remember what the thumbnail was or anything. Yeah, let me do a real no quick clue. Lifeline to get the. Uh, oh, okay. <clears throat> The doctor is sent to the Alpha Quadrant to cure the dying creator of his program, Lewis Zimmerman. That doesn't sound good. So we're going to get... Sounds like it's going to be full of world-breaking things. And his even more irritating counterpart, who's constantly hitting on women, Dr. Zimmerman. God. Will Andy Dick be there? I don't think so. What about Barkley? Will Barkley show up? I don't know. All right. Well, I'm not looking forward to it now, for sure. Not that I ever look forward to Voyager, but... <clears throat> Boy, next week could suck, huh? It might be that next week sucks. All right. Maybe, that's okay, hey, cause, that's okay, because Starship Mine comes next week. It kind of makes it anyone's game. Yeah, that's right. That is that is technically true. I think I have no favorite. No betting favorite. I can't. I mean, I guess. I guess the betting favorite's Birthright Part 2, but that can't be very good. Uh, what, what is good coming up? You said Starship Mine, but that was a lie. Well, that's obviously not it. I don't know what some of these episode titles are. Like, I don't know what the heck We're not is. too far yeah. from the chase. That's going to get world building points. Valiant's rough. That's the Red Squad. Red Squad. Red mm. Squad. That's not great. Profit um, and Lace. That's going to be about a Lady Ferengi. Haven't we had enough of those? Yeah, but they still got ground to cover there, I guess. Now, there's the chase times, that week, though. The chase time's, is orphan. time's Orphan's coming up for Deep Space Nine oh, in week 146. Oh, no. That's bad. But yeah, same as, as frame I of recall, mind. that's going to get real nasty about what happened to Molly. So, Yep, but frame of mind. What is it? Uh, suspicions terrible. we already mentioned is coming up. Mm. Second Chances, a.k.a. Too Many Rikers in week 149. Yeah, I mean, you skipped right over Rightful Air. 
That's there's some. Yeah, it's because I don't remember what that is. Oh, is that not um, is that not fake Kalis? Is that a different one? Oh shit, that is fake Kalis. Yeah, that's gonna suck. Although that's got some political stuff in there, though. Yeah, and some great some great grinning goblin Gowron stuff going on in there. Uh, we're not too far. Later this year, we will get to take me out to the Hollow Suite. Oh no. <laughs> That's Uh-oh. real bad. Uh-oh. I'm very surprised. I was very surprised that we didn't get to that before the Dominion War started. I couldn't believe. No, no, no. This that is in the to- middle of the Dominion yes. War. They're going to stick a baseball episode. It is 100% of this war is too dark. We need to do. We need to lift everyone up for a week. The viewers at home because it's too big a slog and it's bad. Um. Then after that, everything sucks. Yep. We get to the Pegasus, not until week 163. And then we can talk about. You know, what we know was going on during the Pegasus, thanks to Enterprise. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, lower Decks 166, that might not be terrible. We'll find uh, out. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Oh, well. You know. I don't even remember what Eye of the Beholder is. Yeah, you do. The guy throws himself into the plasma stream or Oh, whatever. that's the one? Okay. Yeah, some, All right, I do remember. Or whatever. Genesis, I can't believe that's as late as 170. Yeah, it's pure filler. They're just like, we got to yeah, get through yeah, this yeah. fucking season. And then yep. you get Wesley and First. So born. there's a little peek ahead to this year, I guess. I don't remember Firstborn. Which one's that? Oh, fuck uh, that's got to be the one where uh, uh, Admiral Jarok comes back, but it turns out he's someone else. He comes ah. back as a Klingon. Yeah. Okay. That could be. All right. Anyway, um, thank God there was a good episode this week. Uh, Jalajnesh, everybody, as you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do, as you believe, as you believe so, so shall, shall you, you do. do. Show yourself, Gorgon. Do it. I know we I have to have probably... a scene together. It's very important that we have an overlapping scene, and we need to have yes. it together. So please sit down and have this conversation with me. <laughs> yes. I know... <laughs> I'll make it quick and painless. We'll go real fast, and then we can get both get out and get back to our <laughs> respective plots. But we subscribe.